Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Tuesday morning. Bright, sunny day here in greater Cincinnati, Ohio, or Hamilton, Ohio, as we're more exactly located. Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. Cast of characters here, now part of our brand new open. Casey McAllister, Paul Fritzner, good morning, gentlemen. Tom, how are you today? Everything it's, is beautiful, beautiful day out there. It's one of those weeks in the sports calendar. It's really the only week <laughs> in the sports calendar where there's just really not a whole lot going on. Well, there's not a whole lot going on as far as baseball, and really that's the only thing going on right now. Yeah. But there are still some things going on. College sports uh, has had itself quite, quite a week. Yes. We'll, we'll get into plenty of that. Yes, we will. Casey, you doing all right today? I'm doing great. Doing fantastic, Tom. Um, I'm doing great. Okay. <laughs> and then we turn to Elliot and we turn to Jacob. Uh, gentlemen, first of all, how, how are we doing today? Everybody all right? Phenomenal. Doing, doing yeah. phenomenal. No Weather yeah. is great in Hamilton. It's always funny <laughs> in Hamilton. It is, Tom. We're going to call this a Degenerates Minute. Oh. Oh, boy. And, yeah. Elliot, I'm looking at you. Uh-oh. Okay? Yeah. I'm not calling you a Degenerate. Okay. But <laughs> you did mention yesterday on the show that for yep. the Home Run Derby, which, look, everybody, there, there are many of you out there that, that like the Home Run Derby. I find it to be maybe the most boring event there is on television, but that's just me. Mm. That's just me. That's okay. To each his own, right? And understand it was very exciting. I did not even turn it on last night. This is not me, yeah. okay? Yeah. Uh, but I did read a lot about it. Sounds like it was very exciting. But I want to get to our degenerate minute. You said yesterday at roughly 10.30 in the morning that you had <laughs> seven bets on the home run derby. Is that accurate? And that's, if so, how did they do? Oh, for seven, Tom. Oh, for seven. But here's the thing. <laughs> bets, aren't, bets aren't always about wins and losses. It's about the they fun. They aren't? No, it's about the fun you have along the way. So that's, you know, that's what I took from last night. I think Randy Arozarena, I had zero bets with that guy. So shout out him for making the finals. I didn't have Vladdy. Vladdy's my guy, but I didn't have Vladdy because the value just wasn't there. So I had all the underdogs. Uh, except for Randy, and they all stunk. So everybody stunk. All my bets lost. It was a bad night. Who but were you fun. betting on ultimately winning it? I bet on uh, Adolis Garcia. And I don't know if you watched it. Well, obviously, you did I not. I did not watch Adolis it. Adolis Garcia's, uh, so his home run pitcher, or whatever they call him, their batting practice right. pitcher, whatever, uh, he was throwing, like, curveballs, sliders. He was trying to strike him out. <laughs> Tommy Come was trying on. to strike him out. He wasn't throwing yeah, was. curveballs and Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was Come trying on. to strike him out. There was a fantastic meme on Twitter of somebody saying, here's Adolis Garcia's batting practice pitcher, and it was just a picture of Nolan Ryan after he threw the winner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. I, I, I've never seen a pitcher try to do that during a home run derby. Adolis Garcia was like, he kept trying to, like, point at where he wanted the ball. Pitcher was nowhere close. It was horrendous, so I lost everything. Well, I mean, but was it a coach? Was it a friend? Was it a relative? Do you know? Did they ever I say? I don't know who it was. I don't know who it was. I, I, I'd imagine it was a coach, but I don't know. Whoever it was, they should be fired. I mean, they should have been replaced at the halfway mark. When he called his timeout, he should have. He could have brought anybody out there. He could have brought Randy Rutschman out there, and <laughs> yeah. Randy would have done it all right. Tough. Yeah, it was tough. I thought it was a – yeah, that was brutal. I only had one bet, and it cashed. Easily before what, even the what, final what round. What is that? The total number of home runs to be hit. 
set oh, it. Yeah, you had an over. It right? was set at like 272 or something. And I think they were at close to 300 before the final round even went off. Well, I did wear what in the first round to eliminate uh, the three-time champion Pete Alonso. Rodriguez hit 41 home runs. Yeah. In the first round. That's oh. unbelievable. I had Alonzo on that one. That <laughs> was tough. Wasn't even close. His pitcher stunk too, Tom. His pitcher was throwing balls like 10 feet outside. But he had a replacement pitcher, and he never got to practice with him. So I'll give that guy a break. Okay, by the way, he was throwing like I – mean, Oh, he wasn't even close. It was terrible. But the guy he was that – throwing was, circle changes. The, the guy that was supposed <laughs> to pitch for Alonzo, uh, like tore his – he needs Tommy John or something. He had an elbow injury. <laughs> yeah, elbow injury. So they called this guy in his replacement last second. Didn't go very well. Call to the pen. Yeah. Call to the pen. Knocked 41 is pretty amazing number. That used to be a huge ballpark. Remember that when Ken Griffey Jr. and all, I mean, uh, or Alex Rodriguez, and that was going to be a, you know, uh, big uh, pitcher's park, and it used to be. I don't know. Maybe they changed the dimensions. I don't know to that park. They have in some parks to make them more hitter friendly. Anyway. Uh, welcome to the program. Lots to talk about today. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 A to 12. P. And that uh, can be found on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. You can also download us in podcast form. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. And you're dialed in. Tonight's 93rd edition of Major League Baseball's All-Star Game will be played out in Seattle, Washington. Third time the game will be played in what used to be known as the Emerald City. God, it used to be such a nice place. And I'm told the wheels have completely fallen off that downtown. Uh, from people who live there, friends of mine, that are getting out. Uh, it was a game that for many years, of course, it was dominated by the National League. These days, nothing could be further from the truth. The American League tonight is looking for its 10th straight win. Zach Gallon from the Arizona Diamondbacks starts it on the mound. Garrett Cole of the Yanks starts for the American League. Closer Alexis Diaz is the lone rep from the NL Central Division leading Cincinnati Reds. We talked about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's the 2023 Home Run Derby winner. After a four-year absence from the event, the Toronto Slugger beat your guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very, very sorry. <laughs> Guerrero and his father, Vlad Sr., who won it 16 years ago, are the first father-son duo to ever win the Derby. Three-time winner Pete Alonso, we mentioned, bounced in the first round by Julio Rodriguez, who hit the 41 home runs in round one. All right, MLB Amateur Draft continued yesterday. And the Reds loading up on college pitchers, by and large. They took a kid out of LSU. In the uh, third round, they take Hunter, I think it's Holen. Is that correct? Holland out of Arkansas. He had a solid year for the Razorbacks. He was dealing with a leg injury, suffered very early in the year. Rich required surgery about a month ago. They say that will have no effect on his future as a pitcher. In the fourth round, the team took Cole Schoenwetter, a high school pitcher out of San Marcos, California. Fifth round, a catcher, Connor Burns, out of Long Beach State. On to the sixth round, Ethan O'Donnell, an outfielder from the University of Virginia. In the seventh round, Miami Hurricane shortstop, Dominic Patelli. And then the Reds took two college pitchers in the final two rounds. How about Sean Casey? I almost drove off the road when I heard this yesterday. The former Red Star is leaving the MLB network to take over as hitting coach 
for the New York Yankees. And that's just for the remainder of this year as of right now. The Yanks fired Dylan Lawson after Sunday's loss to the Cubbies. They are hitting as a team 231, which ranks 28th out of 30 major league teams. Football news, Northwestern fired longtime head football coach Pat Fitzgerald yesterday amid allegations of widespread hazing within the football program. Fitzgerald went 110 and 101 over his 17 years as head coach. He was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2008, where he was a star linebacker at Northwestern. Defensive coordinator Dave Braun is expected to take over as interim head coach for this season. And this Bob Huggins story gets more bizarre by the day. A legal battle is, sit, is certainly brewing between Huggins and West Virginia University. Huggins claims he never resigned from his head coaching job and should therefore still be employed by the school. The university says that ain't happening. Apparently, the email came from Huggins' wife's email address, June Huggins. Uh, Bob checked himself in, if I read correctly, into an alcohol rehabilitation center where he's been working on getting clean and getting sober uh, and fully expected to have his job back. Paul, you are our college basketball guru. Where in the world is this thing headed? Yeah, last night it, there were some more details that came out about it, and you pretty much referenced a lot of that there, Tom. And we talked about it yesterday on the box lunch. Um, and it, it just it's just a really, really sad situation. Because, you know, I, like I mentioned yesterday, you have a Hall of Fame coach who has done so much for so many people over the years, but he's also now just completely tarnished his legacy. And it's just bizarre that he's going through all of this right now when he's not the head coach anymore, an interim head coach has been hired. Now all you're doing is setting the program back even more because you're, you're just putting in disarray everybody that's already claimed to be part of next year's team and you're trying to build a team when it's already July 11th there's just so many so many bad details in this story right now that you know between you know what he said on the radio and then what he did driving a car as drunk as he was and 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 everything else I mean it just it's just a, a tough situation just a tough situation for Bob Huggins right now and and not not a pretty one at all. No. It's, it's really a shame. Yep. It's really a shame that somebody like him who, you know, probably was not too far away from retirement anyway. I mean, he seemed like a guy that could coach. I don't want to say that he'd run his leash as long as like a Jim Beheim, where you're way, way, way past how long you should be coaching because Beheim should have retired seven, eight years ago. I don't want to say that would have been Huggins. I think Huggins would have eventually figured out that he needed to retire. But it's not like – it's not like West Virginia was going to be a national championship caliber team this year. I mean, they had some decent pieces, but this is this was never going to be. Well, a my understanding was with this transfer portal, they were a legitimate contender for the Big Twelve championship, if not beyond. They had a decent team, but they weren't. I think people are a, a little overvaluing what West Virginia was going to be this year. I mean, they they were decent, but they they were not going to. They were not a Final Four caliber team. They had a, a good point guard in Kerr Carissa, had some other pieces that they had picked up. And actually, I think Kerr announced that he's going to stay at West Virginia. But, I mean, you know, I, I didn't see West Virginia going into this year as going to be somebody that you know competed for a Final Four or anything like that. 
they were going to be a decent Bob Huggins team. And they're not going to be that, obviously, this year because now of, of everything that's going on. Plus, you hire an interim head coach, which I never understand. I, I've never understand understood the interim thing in this kind of a situation anyway. You're hiring somebody. Why not, why not just get it right in the beginning? Why not just hire somebody? Why hire an interim in June? I don't understand that. Well, to begin with, you're not going to be able to get anybody you really, really want. I mean, you, you almost have to go the interim route. I mean, you're in a situation where you've got to think about the kids that are, that are there. A number of those that transferred in are already going back in the portal. They've already decided. Some are staying. Some are not. Some are already yeah. gone. Uh, and you're not going to be able to go out and hire a long-term coach in the month of June. You're just not going to be able to do it. Well, uh, now, you may just say, okay, we like this guy, and maybe you put some clauses in a contract that, you know, maybe there are certain things that uh, incentives where if you hit this, 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 and this, that uh, you'll be our permanent guy. But for a guy, I mean, this guy they hired, when I used to take my son to basketball camp there at West Virginia, this was a guy that was, I mean, as low on the totem pole as you could get. Yeah. I mean, he was a grad assistant, but he was also doing just menial stuff. I mean, really good basketball mind was a basketball player. Don't get me wrong. Yep. And he might turn out to be a great head coach. But, um, but you're not going to get the guy or a guy that you believe is the long-term guy in June. Look, this is about three different things, in my opinion. More times than not, you can start with money. Hugs doesn't need money, but everybody likes making money, okay? So when you resign, that means that they don't pay you anymore. More times than not, that's exactly what it means. You just left on your own accord. You're not going to get paid your salary. You get fired, you do continue to get your salary. Or you can negotiate some kind of settlement, so to speak. You got number one. It, look, most of the stuff, unfortunately, in life comes down to money okay two you have a guy who's only done one thing his entire life his entire life all he is known as basketball his father was a legendary high school basketball coach hall of fame basketball coach here in the state of ohio he played basketball at west virginia after starting at ohio university he had a chance to play in the pros before he got hurt last guy cut you may remember we told that story when we had him on he goes immediately into coaching, and he's done nothing ever since. His whole life has been about basketball and being a basketball coach his entire adult life. Then you get to number three. He's already in the Hall of Fame, but there's no doubt that that ever-elusive chance at winning a national championship is out there. And he'd love to have a chance to see if he could go win it, right? I mean, some of the chatter saying most people thought it was a Sweet 16 contending team this year. Once you get to the Sweet 16, you never know what can happen. We saw that this year. You get there, you never know. Um, and, and who knows if that's what they were or they weren't. We're never going to know. But um, th this whole thing, it, 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 is, it is very, very sad. Because um, it, it's sad for the things that he's done, the things that he did. It's sad for the kids that he brought in there. Because the one thing about Huggins, whether you like him or don't, he genuinely does care very much about the kids. And obviously the kids who have played for him over the better part of 40 years, they care a lot about him. You just saw that whole caravan of players from Cincinnati that went to West Virginia, what, two Mondays ago 
after everything went down and he lost his job. I mean, that was one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen. I mean, you had Van Exel and Corey Blunt and all these guys and, you know, the Terrence Gibsons of the world all going back there, just showing up in West Virginia um, to let him know how much they appreciate everything he did for him. So th there are a lot of things that, that are – none of them are good. And, uh, you know, look, I'm no lawyer. I'm not smart enough. That's way over my pay scale here. But clearly there are some people in the legal field that are now representing him that feel like they got a case on this deal. Or else they wouldn't be doing it, right? I mean, why would you go through the motions of all that? Apparently the, 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 the uh, resignation came from his wife's email. He never signed it. Which they're saying is the reason why this is not a, you know, this is not a resignation letter. Said, I've been in rehab. I don't know. You have any feel for this, Elliot? You're a big UC guy. I am a UC guy. I, if that's the case, I don't know. I, I still don't fully understand the statement part of it because when you released that statement and he told the players, right, he told his players that he would not be coaching them. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's the lawyer, if it's his lawyer trying to, you know, trying to bring, bring him back in from a legal standpoint, from a, from a money standpoint. I don't know what the whole, the whole deal is. I just know that it's as a UC fan, we've, we've, we still love Bob Huggins here. We always will. It's he, he's, he's a staple of Cincinnati for what he's done for the UC basketball program. I just hope, I hope whatever happens, I hope he gets the help he needs because uh, it does seem it does seem like whatever's happening is not good, and I, I hope somebody helps him quickly, because it just it just it, for him to end his career like this and just absolutely just just shambles is is not good. It's not good. But it, it I don't do you understand this? Why did he release this, the the uh, statement then? I don't get that part. Uh, well, I mean, there are a lot of things here we don't get. I think that's yeah, safe I, to say. I mean, there have been four letters sent between him and the, the attorneys in West Virginia back and forth of trying to figure things out. And apparently he came into the office and cleaned everything out of there. So what are we doing here? It, I, I mean, know. it has to be the lawyer. I don't know, but it has to be the lawyer that is trying to get some money for Bob Huggins. That's the only thing I can think of. And with, with his career ending, he's just trying to get some – again, I don't know. I don't know this. But it just seems to me like the lawyers are trying to get Bob Huggins some money. Yeah. I think I, as, as the week goes on, I think we will see some more details come out. Maybe by Thursday, maybe we, we might know a little more about this. But if you want to talk about somebody that's going to be owed a lot of money and is probably going to lawyer up in a big, big way, it's Pat Fitzgerald. Oh. Pat Fitzgerald is owed over $40 million – and was fired, and I'm I'm I am extremely interested to see how that all is going to end up and what's going to happen there, Tom. I I don't I'm not exactly asking for thoughts because I I think it's well. One right nugget now. I read in this story today, okay, is that look here's the deal. Apparently, the president used to be at Oregon, right? Yeah. He leaves Oregon, becomes the president at Northwestern in June. So here he is, shows up on the job. Going back a number of months is when the whole thing started. We talked yesterday about a, a student athlete there, played on the football team, who went to the administration and said, the prior administration, uh, as far as the presidency is concerned, and said, look, this is what's going on in the program. 
Uh, here are some of the things, detail, blow by blow, uh, that went on under Pat Fitzgerald's watch. So they hire an independent investigative group to go do this investigation as to what's true and what's not true. Now, we talked about all the moving parts yesterday, and they continue to move, right, like chess pieces here on this deal, because the student newspaper gets that same uh, young man, along with one other, to give the details of basically everything they shared uh, with the investigators. So it's in the student newspaper. Even though they're out of school, it's in a student newspaper. It obviously blows up. On the other side, you have, you know, 80 players, whatever it might be, in mass sign this letter that's released to the media that certainly didn't look like it was written by any players, to be completely honest with you. I mean, some of the wording and some of that stuff, you're like, there's no way these are college guys using this kind. I know they're smart guys in Northwestern, but, but give me a break. Um, and they say this is nonsense. You get another kid yesterday, as we talked, that came out and said, hey, that whistleblower told me he was going to embellish every single thing that went on to try to get Pat Fitzgerald fired, that he was going to make the allegations far worse than what they actually were, okay? And so now that's part of the story. So the university president decides initially that I'm going to suspend Pat Fitzgerald for the next two weeks of basically summer workouts. And he's not going to allow the team to go up to Wisconsin. You know, UC goes to higher ground. Yep. Uh, Northwestern goes to Wisconsin for their training camp. And the president decides, nope, two-week suspension for Fitzgerald. Um, the team's not going to Wisconsin. And we're going to put um, a person inside of the locker room every single day from now on, to watch out for what's going on down there uh, on a daily basis. So here is now where we are on this deal and, and, and what Fitzgerald is saying, okay? Now, when the president gave him a two-week suspension, there are so many laws. You know, when you're talking about working environment, uh, even though it's a private school, there are all kinds of things that, you know, legalese stuff that when you're going to suspend somebody for something like this, there's a legal document that says, here's what we're doing. And it was laid out apparently very clearly by the university president that this was a two-week suspension. Fitzgerald comes out last night and says he was, quote, surprised when I learned that the president of Northwestern unilaterally revoked our agreement without any prior notification and subsequently terminated my employment, referencing the agreed-upon two-week suspension. He went on to say that now all of a sudden his lawyers are getting involved along with a trial attorney and his agent to take the necessary steps to protect, quote, my rights in accordance with the law of the document that was signed. Oh, boy. That's a lot going on. So, boy, um, this seems to me, unless the president 
And, and, and look, we don't know all the details of this thing. And I'm not going to defend the president. I'm not going to defend Fitzgerald. The bottom line is, is if any of this stuff is true, Fitzgerald should be gone. But what we know clearly is not the entire story here. But the university president has to know something the rest of us don't know, right? To all of a sudden go from a two-week suspension within 48 hours to go from a two-week suspension to just unilaterally throwing that agreement of the two-week suspension out the window and whatever legalese come along with that kind of document and to fire Pat Fitzgerald, who is an icon at Northwestern. He is arguably the best football player, college player, not pro, college player that has ever played there. This was a guy that grew up in suburban Chicago. He always wanted to play for Illinois. Illinois did not recruit him. He went to Northwestern with a chip on his shoulder, and man, did he play like it. He helped lead the team to the Rose Bowl. He was one of the great linebackers in college football history. And ever since then, he has had multiple chances to leave Northwestern, his alma mater, as head coach. Some say to go to the pros. Some say to go to bigger jobs, even the Notre Dame job. He's been rumored many, 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 many times for that job. And he's turned them all down to stay at Northwestern. So is this one of those deals we're ever going to get the full story? It has to if it ends up in a court of law. All cards will be laid on the table at that point, right? Yeah, this is a, this is a very strange story. I don't want to say strange. Strange might not be the right word, but this just feels like a story with so many details to it that um, I, I forget who it was yesterday on Twitter, but I, I thought somebody made a pretty decent point that, you know, we're now in an era of college athletics where um, things happen very quickly and things can snowball very quickly and decisions are made very quickly. Part of that is because university administrators feel like they have enough details to make decisions like this in a timely, efficient manner. I also wonder if some of that timeliness has to do with the transfer portal and guys that are now able to play at other places quicker than they were in years past. So if you know that eventually you're going to probably make this decision, you might as well make it quicker than you maybe otherwise would have because you want to get your program back on track. You want to get your program rolling, especially right now. If you're Northwestern, what, you're a month until the season starts? Five weeks, six yep. weeks until yep. the season starts? And this is not – even for college basketball, this would be a tough time to, to be let go as a coach. And this is college football that starts in a little over a month. Um, so it just – you know, I, I obviously don't know all the details of the story. None of us in this room do. But this is just uh, – this is going to be one that, you know, Northwestern needs to be sure that they were right about this. Um, I, what I don't know, and I should know, but I don't know, was there any momentum to get him – for – for him to be fired anyway. Well, I no. read I read in the Chicago papers yesterday, and uh, you know uh, Chicago is a kind of town. They have two newspapers there, uh, actually three if you include the Daily Herald. And, and so th there's a lot going on. There's a lot of competition. 
they have outstanding writers, and especially the columnists there are really, really good. And um, one of uh, those that I read yesterday got into the whole thing, which we talked about during the monologue a little bit yesterday, which is um, his record here lately. I mean, they are spending tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, you know how expensive it is to do anything in Chicago? I mean, if you want to build a house in Chicago, the difference between building that house there as opposed to, say, here, is like night and day on what you're going to pay. Not just for the property, which Northwestern already owns, but for the actual building of whatever structure you're building. And in this case, I'm making reference to this football facility, much like UC is going to build already underway uh, in Clifton with this indoor training performance center and practice facility. This thing sits right on Lake Michigan, glass, beautiful, whole nine yards. And the columnist pointed out said, well, you know, the last, what, three of the last four years, last year Northwestern won one game. They went 1-11. They've gone 1-8 in the Big Ten in three of the last four years. So, to answer your question, Paul, they have not been playing good football. Now, he's led them to a number of 10-win seasons. He's led them to five of their six bowl wins in the history of the school. So, he's got a lot of rope when you also throw in the cachet that he was a player, he was an assistant coach, and he was a head coach. He's been there for 27 years of his life. I mean, he is Northwestern football. Yeah. Right? I mean, the first thing anybody thinks of when they think of Northwestern, right, is Pat Fitzgerald. Number one, more than a player, anybody. Um, I'm curious from a football standpoint because uh, Jacob, for those who don't know, Jacob does all the video work for Nick Saban at the University of Alabama. And you just got your schedule of – Practices, the exact minute-by-minute breakdown of how many practices, when they're going to be, all that kind of thing, right? Yep. Yes, sir. So for a new guy coming in, all of a sudden, now he was a defensive coordinator, so he was part of putting together all that scheduling and everything like that. What, What does that do as far as just, one, the players on the team, you're around those guys. I'm not saying you're best buddies with them, but you're around them a lot. What does that do to just the whole vibe of even starting practice and what kind of disruptions might uh, a, a change at the top? I mean, if all of a sudden Nick Saban's gone tomorrow and the defensive coordinator takes over, what happens? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a crazy situation to be going through, especially this close to the season. I mean, the one positive in that situation, in, in where you're this close to fall camp, the schedule's probably already made. Like, there's not going to be a whole lot on the replacements plate to, you know, make up a practice schedule, what to do. I'm sure that's already been done. The thing that, that sticks out to me most is the countless Northwestern players on Twitter yesterday coming out against the athletic director and president that they only met with them over Zoom for a matter of minutes and didn't even allow questions from the players. I, I think that has a, a much longer impact into the season than, than the firing of Pat Fitzgerald, if I'm going to be completely honest, because, you know, the players have the utmost respect for the defensive coordinator. He's been there. He's recruited these guys in. You know they love him. Granted, they probably would like Pat to be there. You saw the 85-something players wrote that article, you know, expressing right. their support for him. But to, to have, you know, 
almost hundreds of players coming out against the athletic director and president of the university with the season just a couple months away, I think that'll have a bigger ripple effect into the season than anything. It's very interesting. Very interesting. See, I, I hate when I hear, and again, I, you know, I hate when I hear things like that about how you went about meeting with current players. I have to believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jacob, maybe I'm totally wrong. Are all of the Alabama football players in Tuscaloosa right now working out? Um, I'm not entirely sure. If they're not there right now, there will be by next week. Okay. Okay. So, look, it's not Monday morning quarterbacking here. But if you're going to take an action like this, I don't care if you're the head of a corporation or, in this case, you're the president of the university or the athletic director. If you're going to make this kind of – take this kind of action, and again – if it's true, he should be gone. There's no doubt about it. And I think the university president was kind of implying that, you know, the more I think about this thing, and he said that yesterday before he fired him. He said, or two days ago, he says, you know, I'm thinking about reconsidering my punishment here. He says, because, you know, th there's more information maybe that I didn't have before, whatever it might be. I, I, I don't like in any form or fashion, though, that if you have players that are currently on that team, and how many players are there, 100? Yeah, at least. Okay, if you got 100 guys there, 100, and you've got guys that have been there three years, four years, five years. Northwestern's not like Alabama or Ohio State or Georgia where guys are showing up, playing their freshman, sophomore, junior year, and then out the door. Northwestern's the definition of a student athlete. Absolutely. These guys are going to class and everything. That's right. So for, you know, what it seems to me that meeting via Zoom and only for a few minutes is really not a good look. Not a good look at all. You with me on this one, Elliot? I mean, don't you owe it. If you've already said I'm going to suspend the guy for two weeks, I reserve the right to change my opinion. But I'm going to change my opinion after I actually sit down face to face, maybe pick the team captains. Right? Maybe pick the last three guys on the team who never played, that are walk-ons, right? Who yeah. aren't the stars, and Fitzgerald has made them the captain, whatever it might be. A Zoom meeting for a handful of minutes? Something doesn't seem right about that to me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's the new world we're living in where it's like the, the bad PR just wins now. It's, you know, it used to be innocent until proven guilty. It, it, it's certainly not that anymore. Uh, the swiftness at which this has happened is strange. The only meeting with players for a few minutes, the suspension, changing mind, now you're fired. The whole thing is weird, and I think it's just it's a new world we are in in sports, especially in the college landscape. I don't know, I don't know his contract. Is he not going to get the $40 million now because he was fired with cause? Is That's, that how that works? Well, again, I, I'm sure that this has a lot of the same sort of uh, financial repercussions okay. of Bob Huggins' situation. Because yes. if that's the case, then it becomes – I mean, then it just becomes an absolute mess. Northwestern football, I mean, I don't know what the president's plan is now because that program's now destroyed. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what the rebuild process is there, but that's done. It's over. Uh, I would say Pat Fitzgerald, again, if, if, this, if what happened happened, he should be fired, like Tom said, for sure. Uh, it's it, as a head coach, it's your responsibility to know that stuff. It just is. Even if you don't know, it's your responsibility to know. It just has to be. Um, but he's a, he's a from what everything I've read, everything I've read, there are not pretty much. I mean, all of his former players love him. 
All the people who work for him love him. So I don't know if this is just a singular entity of, of kids who maybe got I – don't, I don't know. I don't know what the, the, who got the raw end of the deal is here. But Pat Fitzgerald is going to get a job in the next couple of years anyway. So I, I think he is going to be hired again rel- relatively soon if he is fired. Um, but Northwestern, I think, handled this very poorly. Uh, Mr. Moe brings up a great point, and, and you see this, uh, Jacob, <laughs> point blank. Uh, if there is one guy in America – that, you know, outside of doing something really bad. I mean, and, and, and look, for, for, for these young men, if it's true, this is really, really bad. I don't want to diminish that in any form or fashion. Nick Saban is a guy, whether it's Sarkeesian, whether it's Lane Kiffin, whether it was Butch Jones, whether it's – was Bobby Petrino there? Uh, he was. All right. He I was. mean, and now you talk about going off the reservation. I mean, old Uncle Bobby. But – um Look, uh, Mr. Mo points out, says he'll be a, an Alabama analyst in less than a year from now, coaching him up on defense. I, maybe if this is all not true. If, if he gets exonerated and proven innocent and all this, I could totally see it. I mean, we run one of the best coach rehabilitation clinics in the world down in Tuscaloosa. Got Bill O'Brien back into the NFL. Just this last year. Yeah, but he wasn't he wasn't some guy that was on the ropes for, for different like this Fitzgerald thing. Sarkeesian had After gone into alcohol Hopkins rehab trade. and been fired. <laughs> Petrino now, you know, like I said, a little Butch Jones was let go. Good guy, Butch Jones. Really liked Butch Jones. He used to live around a corner from me. He whether you loved him or hated him as a football coach, he guy's a hell of a guy. He's a he's a great guy. Um so Man, it's like you said, Paul, in college athletics, there is a lot going on right now. It just never sleeps. College sports, just you think you get some time off. You think there's not going to be some headlines, and then something happens, whether it's basketball or football, there's just always a headline. I mean, it just it never sleeps. It's, it's, it's just how it goes, especially in today's day and age with social media and everything else. You're just getting headlines 24-7. Brian B. says Saban is hiring Bob Huggins after Oates gets canned. I don't know. Huggy had a chance to go to Alabama a long yeah, time ago. Saban when he was has at a UC. lot of pull in Tuscaloosa. No, I, don't I would he think control, he does. I don't know if he controls the basketball coaching process. <laughs> I would think he does. I would think he does. I do think this is a wake-up call to a lot of college football programs, maybe even college basketball programs, just college programs in general, where it's, you know, you better find out what's happening in your – in your team because I can promise that it's not the only hazing program that there, that there is in college sports. So I w- if you're a coach, I would, <laughs> I'd get a, I get a, I get a handle on what's happening in your program. You know, um, I was in a fraternity at college and uh, this was, you know, back in the day when uh, hazing was rampant. Uh, and I went through it. I went through it. And I got to tell you, uh, to this day, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I know that sounds insane. We weren't doing stuff like throwing some kid in a, in, in a trunk of a car and making him drink a gallon of vodka. It wasn't stuff like that where anybody was going to get hurt. Was some of it demeaning? Yes. Was most of it just completely ridiculous? At the end of the day, you laughed about it, especially when you look back on it? Yes. I can also see how for select few it is completely degrading and it is completely humiliating 
and how it would lead for some to have some long-term issues or certainly some short-term issues. I get it. Um, I totally get it. Um, so, you know, uh, look, there, there, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on. And, and, and I can speak to hazing firsthand. And they've done a lot of things to try and change it in Ohio. Um, and, you know, the, the, the NCAA has so many rules and all this kind of stuff. But um, where this Fitzgerald thing ultimately leads, um, who knows? And no, some of you asking for stories, those are not happening. Those are not happening. They're neither here nor there. Um, and there's still hazing that goes on. Yeah, absolutely. There's still hazing that goes on. There's hazing that goes on. You know, people like to jump on immediately fraternity. You know, like it's some bad word, fraternity. At the end of the day, fraternities really are a very, very good thing. You make lifelong relationships. You make lifelong friends. To this day, four or five of my best friends in the world were guys that I didn't meet until college. And I lived in the same dorm. It was a house with them for three years. I'm in a fraternity at Alabama. It's all my best friends. I lived in the house yeah. last year. It's some of the best experiences. And life. it's not a bunch of rich guys, which is often portrayed no. in that kind of thing. That's not the case. It's not. And universities are different everywhere. They're very, very different. Um, but, you know, uh, look, Ohio State got in trouble hazing with the band. So before people just jump on a bandwagon, oh, those fraternity guys, oh, those football guys. Well, it was also the music guys. And I can promise you there are other things going on out there, different levels, not endorsing any of them. There is such a thing as, there is such a thing as harmless hazing. There really is. There really is. But then there are things, like I said, where, you know, does it border on abuse? Does it border on long-term mental health stuff? Does it border on physically or mentally doing harm to people? These guys, these fraternities that I read about where they throw some kid in the back of a trunk and make him drink a gallon of, of, of vodka, that is a serious problem. That's a serious problem. Um, okay. Um, Ham and Eggers, take it away. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the All-Star game. Okay? Talk about the All-Star game. And if you can make some changes to it, because we got into it a little bit yesterday, about how it used to be where for a number of years um, after they had the tie, and I remember it like it was yesterday, because my broadcast partner for many, many years, both for the Cubs, the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, and Fox Network on Saturday baseball in the playoffs, Bob Brenly, who became the manager of the Diamondbacks after he was a broadcaster with me, led the team to a World Series in 2001. In 02, the manager from a team that goes to the World Series in each league the year before is a guy who manages the All-Star team the following year. So he was a manager of the National League team that played in Milwaukee, and that game ended in a tie. And that was a time where all of a sudden Bud Selig decides, you know what, I'm not watching this nonsense anymore. We're going to try to win, and whoever wins the game, that league will get home field advantage for the World Series. A lot of people didn't like that. I thought it was a good idea. 
I thought brought a little something, sort of an edge back to the World Series and trying to win because interleague play completely dissolved all of the mystique and all of the mystery of the way it used to be when, you know, you'd have Vita Blue on the mound for the Oakland A's and he's never pitched against fill in the blank, right? You'd have Bob Gibson on the mound for the National League and he's never faced fill in the blank. I mean, going all the way back in time. Koufax on the mound. He's never faced Ted Williams, right? So there was that mystique that no longer exists with interleague play. They got rid of the home field advantage rule for the winning league. That's gone. But what about some changes they can make to the actual game itself? I was looking through some, uh, some interesting rules that different minor league leagues have. And the Pioneer League, for example, of some of the rules that they've put in, besides the pitch clock and the shift and all that kind of thing, that I think might make the uh, All-Star game a little bit more exciting. We'll hear from the guys as well. Ham and Eggers, Mr. President, take it away. It's that type of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Encore Technologies has been a fantastic sponsor of Chatterbox Sports for the last 10 months. Uh, so we thank them for everything they've done. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. That's right, Casey. You can visit Encore.tech, and the path to innovation begins here. Pawnee Water, made right across the street in Hamilton. Somebody made the joke in the, in the chat. Otani, can we get the Otani contract sponsored by Pawnee? Yes. Yes. Pawnee for Otani. Can <laughs> we get that? Can Ohtani. we get that hashtag trending? That's Pawnee for Otani. Pawnee for Otani. How many Pawnee waters do you think we would have to sell to get Shohei Otani to show up in Cincinnati at Great American Ballpark? Mm. Probably a lot. Probably a lot. Pawnee for Otani. Pawnee water. It's made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, right across the street. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is the best tasting water in the world. You can visit their website at pawneewater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy it. Um, Chatterbox Reds Night is just a few days away. It is next Monday. We are less than a week from Chatterbox Reds Night. That is at Great American Ballpark. You can buy the four shirts, put the ticket in your cart, use code CBOX. Let's get that figured out. It's code CBOX, correct? Yes. Anybody in this room, help me out here. It's code CBOX. Yes. Correct. Yes. Okay. It is code CBOX, C-B-O-X. Throw it in the uh, – you have to put the ticket in the cart. Four shirts, put the ticket in the cart, use code CBOX when you check out. You get the ticket for free. It's at the Riverboat Deck next week, next Monday. We'll all be there. Uh, should be a great time playing the Giants Monday night. Um, that is, uh, that's everything on my end. Make sure you download the podcast, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Chatterbox Reds still kicking. Chatterbox Reds has a whole week of coverage this week. Nick Kirby is putting out shows. Um, and, and doing everything for the week. You know, one thing I haven't talked about 
Uh, I, I just want to say real quick, Taylor Swift concert was a lot of fun. I know it's been like two weeks since that happened, but I just haven't been here. We, we never talked we didn't about dive it. into it. No, but it, it was fun. I loved I, your outfit, by the way. I, oh, the orange. It was great. Wasn't the orange? It was great. That was a Target special. That was a Target special. So originally, I had the idea of of getting a T-shirt that uh, that had the screenshot of me forgetting the tickets, the the tweet <laughs> right. of me forgetting the tickets and putting that right on the front. And then uh, I it just I thought, nah, I'm not doing that. It's a little it's a little too much. It's a little it's a little dumb. It's a little dumb. So we got the shirt, nice polo. It's rewearable. It's nice. It was a fun outfit. It was a fun. It was a fun time. Uh, I, I uh, gotta be honest. It was a little intimidating when you were up there in the, in the like five rows from the top, and the whole place was literally shaking. Like I could feel the 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 steps underneath my feet, the concrete steps. The entire third deck was literally shaking. Were you that, there Friday? I was there Friday night. So I did. Were you? Were, was she visibly upset with the Reds' fireworks after they won? <laughs> I, heard, I I kept seeing tweets about that. How everybody was pissed off that the fireworks went off and disrupted the Taylor Swift. I, so I loved it because it let me know what was happening in the Reds game. <laughs> because I was like on my phone in my right pocket trying to figure out what was going on with the Reds and trying to fight the Wi-Fi signal and everything else to see what was going on because that was the game that went to eleven or twelve innings. Uh, I, I mean, we, I was so high up, I could barely see her anyway. So if she was upset, she very well could have been. But that was not the night that she brought out uh, it was the guy from the National to sing to, to play the guitar on Saturday night. She played three songs because the weather got moved up. Brought Gracie Abrams out. It was a whole deal. I don't know. Didn't know, the, didn't know either of the surprise songs that we got, but that's about how it par for the course. For Did me. you ever put up a picture of your outfit? Yeah, I did. It's my, it's my Twitter profile picture now. Let's yeah. let, let's see that. All right, here. I'll 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 DM it to you, Casey. How'd you do on the bracelets? I know the bracelet exchange is a yeah. big part of the concert. Did you yeah. Get any? yeah, yeah. Show them some. What's some the bracelet exchange? What is that? I, I, Show them what's on your wrist right now. That's a pretty nice one. Oh yeah, this is this is a pretty nice piece nice right now. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I uh, I did not. Uh, some guy. I was standing outside Yard House waiting for a friend to meet up, and some. <laughs> Like drunk dude handed me one friendship bracelet, threw it at me, and was like, "Very nice." I did not know that. I was I was wildly unprepared, but I, I yeah, it's a tiny little. Well, you have to have a bracelet. My understanding is for a Taylor Swift concert, right? I, right. I, I mean, that's right. a must. That, that, that's that like, I mean, that is like, even if you don't dress up or whatever it is, based on the era, right? That's the right. deal, right? All right, I just DM it to you, Casey. Um, uh, I did not. You I have to wear a bracelet. So when he gave it to you, did you put it on? No. What? <laughs> Why? Well, it was over. The concert was over. Bad guy. We were, we were walking home. Bad guy. We were Paul. walking. We were walking back to the car, and it was also. I don't know if I could have gotten it on. It was very small. Here we go. All right, let's I take mean, a check look. Out. Look at that. That's an elite outfit. That's a look at that shirt. What? what it's oranges. It, it, I know, but it's, it's got nothing to do with Taylor Swift. Tom. I was getting ready to say, what is it's he? It's just a summer shirt. Taylor Swift. It's just here. a summer shirt. That's a great shirt. It's, it's a, a big look. shirt. I love it. I, I thought it was a kind of a funny look. That is a good look. Rewearability, like 10 out of 10. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. right I down was there on the banks, right? Yeah, it was right outside Holy Grail. Wow. That is a big league shirt. <laughs> I got to tell you, what, what's on that shirt? There's sharks or what, 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 oranges. Oranges. Or great. I can't tell if it's oranges or grapefruit. That's a firm thumbs up there, too. Clean 90-degree elbow. Yeah, that is a good thumbs I up. I mean, that is a 
Yeah, if there's ever, ball. if there's ever a shirt, oh, I see. Okay, I thought the I thought the blue part from far away looked like uh, sharks or you know. Something. Oh, I see. Like a saying. Jimmy Buffett concert, maybe you show up with some sharks fins, you know, sure. whatever might be going on. Are you? You a, guys don't go to Buffett, do you? Well, I was gonna say, are you a? Are you a? I, I mean, I, I love Buffett. I've seen him dozens of times. Um, I, I mean, his concerts were unbelievable. There was a point in time here in Cincinnati, which has always been one of his favorite stops in the country. Uh, where he used to come in here for like five, six, seven nights at a time. He doesn't do that anymore uh, as he's gotten older. But that was that was a must-see must show. I don't know. He's got to be coming again this summer, isn't he? I don't know. I would assume I haven't he seen. usually comes here. Yeah, was, he, he normally assume. does. But, but maybe this year he takes a summer. No, I think he uh, I think he was already here, wasn't he? Was he? he? I don't know. I, 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 you know, that's one thing I, I kind of kick myself over a lot. Uh, I don't get to many live shows anymore just because I don't look him up to see who's in town. Because I love live music. Somebody says Nirvana is in town this week. Really? Reed Mouse says that. Uh, oh, Foo Fighters oh, and oh, Nirvana. I think this oh. is a Taylor Swift. That's a Pony Water special. Thing. Yeah, this is the fake yeah, Nirvana. Yeah, it's the River's Edge. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, is this a Hamilton special? Yeah, it is a Hamilton. It's just some guy from his like basement. He just likes Nirvana <laughs> a lot. He's going to come out on the stage and play some Nirvana for everybody. I think that's what's going on here. Could be wrong. Could actually be Nirvana. Maybe. I doubt it, though. <laughs> Why do they call it River's Edge? Because we have a River Bend. Did they, coffee, did they just copy River Bend? He meant Norvana. Oh. <laughs> Norvana. According to uh, Market X. That's a new name, is it not, to the chat? Market X? I, yeah, that's definitely I think new. so. Okay, well, welcome, Market X. Yeah, I mean, for Reed to post that is very misleading to our audience. Because if all of a sudden Nirvana and Foo Fighters were in town, that would be, it wouldn't be on the, the, the level of Taylor Swift. Nothing in this day and age, not even Garth Brooks. The only thing that would come close to Taylor Swift being in town would be, the, say, the Rolling Stones in town, right? That would be about it. Um, but Nirvana and the Foo Fighters would be a big deal. Tom, we were, we were driving home uh, from lunch yesterday, or we were driving back to the office from lunch yesterday. We saw a character. And, I, and again, I, there's not a bigger Hamilton fan than me. Oh, I, here I, you go. I, You're I, prefacing I, everything before I, a Hamilton I, slam, Elliot. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm the biggest Hamilton fan there is. We saw a guy mowing the crosswalk. He had a, he had a lawnmower, and he was riding it across the, uh, the, the sidewalk there. The engine wasn't on. Well, I the windows were up. We can't be sure. We can't be sure. We can't be sure, but it was strange. It was strange. I've never seen that before. <laughs> just right across the road, right across the red light. He was just walking his lawnmower. Maybe he was going home. I don't know. I don't know, but it was funny. <laughs> I, love, I love Hamilton. This is my home. The best part was that I've been here for long enough now that I didn't even think anything about it. Yeah, that, Jacob brought it up. We did. We just thought it was. I was mid conversation with Paul, and my jaw hit the floor when I noticed a, a lawnmower going across the highway. Sir Boy Wonder <laughs> asked a question, though, Elliot. He says that doesn't happen on the west side of town. I have never once seen a lawnmower get ridden across the road like that. But hey, I teach the. Wait, is a rider? Was a rider? It was a push. It was a push. But okay. still, nonetheless, I mean, he's he's walking over a crosswalk there. I don't know, dude. You know, it's some crossing... guy here in Hamilton who's working his tail off. Yeah, he, he probably is. has this very small, maybe just one man operation, uh, landscaping company, right? 
and he's just getting to the other side of the road to go mow the next person's lawn. Yeah, but there wasn't anything on the other side of the road, Tom. <laughs> That's the thing. We were it was it was just buildings over there. There was no grass. Grass was not in sight. <laughs> there was like a McDonald's on the right. Maybe he was walking it to McDonald's. I don't know. Mr. Moe wants to know, uh, Jacob, you've never seen a mower getting pushed across the street in Alabama? Well, that's a good point. <laughs> that's, a, that's a valid point. That's, that's a, a valid point. There. point. A good point. That's a good point. Yeah, but it, I, I, yeah, it was a good day yesterday. Uh, Michael Ackley says, I've seen that in Covington quite a bit, mainly down by Latonia. <laughs> Latonia. Okay. All right. Do they ride mowers down the road in Blanchester, Casey? Oh, yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure there's a bring your lawnmower to school day. <laughs> Just like there's a bring your tractor to school day. Is there actually? Yes. Bring there your is tractor? a bring your tractor to school day in Blanchester? Absolutely. So kids who are old enough, or do you have to be old enough? You have to have a driver's license. Well, if you're driving on the road, you got to have a driver's license to drive Correct. anything, right? Yeah. Except a bike or something, right? Yeah. So, but in a lot of those country towns, and look, I... And I know a number of kids who grew up in country, country. I mean, their parents were getting them to drive at like 13, 14 years old because the family needed them to be able to do stuff like that in many cases. Yeah. So that happens a lot when you're out there in Blanchester and when you're growing up, probably a two-lane road and then just a bunch of little artery roads, right? Right. So what's a, I mean, who cares? What's a big deal? Um, th th there's no way they had to drive your tractor to school day. Yes. Yeah, there's literally a, a farm in our in the backyard of the high school. There's a farm a, that what like a cattle farm, a food for, farm, for, what? all sorts of different animals, mainly cattle. Okay, but do I they ride these things on the road? Uh, yes, yes they do. Okay, so one year this was the year I, before I went into high school, the seniors had a senior prank where they took a cow. Up oh, no. to the second floor oh, of our high school. <laughs> Tom, did you know cows can't go down the stairs? So I they had, they had to that. put the cow down. No, they didn't. Oh, <laughs> they didn't. They had to put the cow down because it can't get down the stairs. How else? There's no other way to get it down. <laughs> Brother, we couldn't troubleshoot that? What are well, we I doing? Guess we, there I had guess we to be a way. You could have had a ramp or something to get it down. You got to be kidding me. As a prank, and they have to put the poor cow down? Yeah. Burgers. What? Burgers oh, from Senior. How, did, how is this not national news? <laughs> because it's Blanchester. I mean, Roger <laughs> asked if there's an common. elevator. There's no elevator at Blanchester High School. <laughs> <laughs> there might be now. There is, but it's only got like a weight limit of 300 pounds probably. It's a oh small little God. thing. Oh, my God. Now that's hazy. That's hazy. <laughs> that's, that's that poor cow. So what did they? <laughs> what was the punishment for those kids? Yeah, what happened? Well, it was like it was, so it was so. So I don't know. The, <laughs> I don't know the full details of this story, but I'm pretty sure it was like one of the kids, like 4-H animals that they're, yeah, they're right. raising. So the punishment was already there. Like you're losing an animal that you've taken care of that you plan to compete with. Yikes, so, man. For a few oh laughs. God. For Yikes. A few laughs. Yeah. How Great big point cow? made by uh, Tyler Dowley says, we can put a man on the moon. Well. And at Blanchester, we can't get a poor cow not bothering anybody. Can't get it down the stairs, so we got to kill it. How, how, how big was this cow? Like, how, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was like a full-grown, like... How did they get know? it up? 
<laughs> they just it walk can, up the stairs? Yeah, it can go up. It it can't go down because all the weight is... Yeah, oh, yeah. It's very top. Heavy. I mean, it would, it would start to... I mean, I've oh, lost. No. All, I've lost all. I've, all, I've whatever, whatever respect I had for Blanchester, it's now gone. I mean, that's that's horrendous. That's a horror story. Senior prank. That's horrible. That's an elite prank. That's, <laughs> that's an elite. Prank. What's the prank? The cow dies. I imagine that the administration April Fools. tried to get the cow down the stairs. Yes, for the, an there there was there was attempts to get it down the stairs. <laughs> I don't I don't think that they uh, thought of like getting a ramp or anything like that because it's just it's a giant animal. You can't like force it to. <laughs> It's going to get hurt going down the ramp anyways because it's a giant cow. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, the third floor of this school with a crazy – like, with a cow. Yeah, just the cow. Nick pretty Morgan sure it makes a great Pretty sure it uh, <laughs> defecated in the hallways. Oh, nice. So no. <laughs> so this is going straight in the tank. Straight <laughs> in the tank. Oh, I don't even know how we got on this conversation. I, I remember you brought it well, up. You were talking bring about your lawnmowers? tractor to school day. Yeah, we were we were talking about lawnmowers. Bring your tractor to school day. I think I I'm pretty it's, sure. I, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm pretty sure Lizzie's school had one too. Well, uh, one of the members sure. of the chat says that they used to have it at his school in uh, Putnam County. So there you go. Maybe that's a popular thing to do in rural America. Oh, God. Can we please drive a tractor and work here? Yes. There's got to be somewhere not too far from where we're sitting right now where they have that. There has to be. I mean, there's a lot of between here and, I mean, Oxford, and then you get north of Oxford, and you're getting, you know, I mean, there are farmland everywhere around Is, here. I, I'll be honest. Everett would be able to answer this question. Does Ross do that? Ross might. Yeah, Ross, Ross might. Ross might. I don't know. I don't know if Everett's listening right now, but Ross. I've not seen Everett in the chat today. Uh, yes, he's right. He's right. Reed. Reed Mouse says Reed. Ross and Talawanda have uh, bring your tractor to school day. That's pretty cool. Talawanda does. As does Edgewood. That's a lead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Where is Ronnie when you need him? Sports. <laughs> Boy, we have drifted way off the reservation. All right, I want to get to the uh, All Star game here for a minute tonight. Look, it's always exciting. It's cool to watch. Uh, I brought up earlier that, um, you know, I was one of the guys that was really in favor of interleague play when they first started that. So I'm not going to go back and say, oh, it stinks, you know, because, look, I, I was a fan of it. Uh, I remember Bob Costas at the time uh, did not like it. Bob Costas did not like the advent of the wild card. A lot of this took place right around the same time. So... Um, I, I was in favor, uh, just for the record, not that anybody cares, I was in favor of both of those things. The advent of the wild card and interleague play. Now, over the long haul, I think most people, not all, want to hear what you guys think, because you guys are all baseball guys. I think over the long haul, we've enjoyed, by and large, interleague play. Having a chance to see some of the great stars from the other league, that forever until the late 1990s, you would never see unless you drove out of town to an American League city to watch George Brett or to watch Ken Griffey. Well, by the time Griffey came up, uh, they had already started interleague play. But you know what I'm saying. To see some of the, the, the stars from the American League, if you're a National League city person or vice versa. Um, so over the long haul, I think everybody's pretty much enjoyed it. Now, has it run its course? 
there are people that can make that case, and okay, um, that's fine. The one area where it's really hurt, really maybe the only area it's really hurt, is the All-Star game. Because, you know, you guys aren't old enough to remember because there's basically been interleague play since you guys have been old enough to, to really follow baseball. But, man, you talk to guys who played in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and you talk to these guys about their experience for the All-Star game. You know, last night during the Home Run Derby or tonight before the game, you'll see National League guys carrying on on the field with American League guys and joking around and hugging and kissing and all that kind of stuff like you see in normal baseball games now that you, you used to not be able to do before games, at least not in front of other people, fans in the stands specifically. Back in those days, man, it was game on. I mean, when the National League team showed up and you had Willie Mays and Hank Aaron and Ron Santo and you had all these Sandy Koufax, I mean, these guys were there to win the game. There was pride of representing the National League and you didn't like the American League. You did not like them and vice versa. And you were out to win. And I mean, is there any better illustration? You may think it's a dirty play. You might think it's a cheap play. The, the, the very definition of that kind of rivalry was the Pete Rose play at home played on Roy, uh, Ray Fossey. He's scoring the winning run in the game and blasts the catcher. Now, is that good for the sport? No. You wouldn't want to see that now. You don't want to see some guy get knocked out for the year and alter his very career uh, by getting barreled over at home plate in an all-star game. But there's no more mystique now anymore. Guys change teams much more frequently back then. There wasn't free agency like there is now. There wasn't salary arbitration until a little bit later on like there is now. So there's not the player movement that there used to be. Most guys would start in one league, and most times they'd finish either with that same team or finish their career in that league. All that's gone. All right, you talk about all that. But before we get to the next thing about any, any things you'd like to see different, at this particular point in time in baseball, we are now in a balanced schedule. Yes, you still play teams within your own division more than you do outside of your division, but you're playing everybody. Everybody plays everybody. Now, that's a new thing this year. Um, you still like, Paul, um, interleague play? Yeah, I do. I really do. I think it's uh, – now, granted, I think you made a good point, Tom, where you said I'm from a very different generation than from the people that grew up knowing that you saw the All-Star game and then the World Series when the two leagues met. But I think it gives you a pretty good idea of – look, baseball is at a point right now where it's become so regionalized. You look at sports like the NFL or even the NBA a little bit, but the NBA is really dominated by its stars – the NFL is such a national sport. They've done such a good job at marketing the sport and making it so that if you live in Cincinnati, you're watching the primetime game that might be between the 49ers and the Rams. It's a West Coast. Could you imagine being in Cincinnati, just a, the casual baseball fan, and watching Sunday night baseball between the Giants and the uh, – Giants and Dodgers might be a tough one. The Mariners and the – and the Angels on Sunday Night Baseball. But if it's the 
Rams and the Seahawks, you're going to watch that. Yep. And the, the reason I bring that up is because baseball has become so regionalized where you care about your team and probably your team only yep. because it's so hard to follow all the other teams and all the player moves and everything else you got to follow. Blackout rules. Blackout yep. rules and what you can and can't watch and 162 games. Yeah. It, it's very difficult to follow the entire league yeah. unless that's all you care about. And so I, I really like the fact that the Reds get to play Shohei Otani. I really like the fact that the Reds get to play some of these teams that if you don't have MLB TV, now you get to watch those teams because it's circum circumventing the, the, the blackout rules where if you don't have these TV packages or if you don't – sorry, if you don't have MLB TV, but like, like me, I don't have MLB TV. I used to. I don't anymore because all I have time to do really is watch the Reds. So now I get to watch Shohei. And Mike Trout and those guys when the Reds play the Angels. You get to see those teams come and play in your ballpark. The Yankees coming here regularly. The Red Sox coming here regularly. That is a good thing for the sport. So I understand the old way and, and people still getting used to it. But I think the fact that you play everybody. Now granted, it might hurt the Reds this year where the NL Central isn't as good. We've talked about that extensively. But... Overall, for the, for the health of the sport, I think it's a very, very good thing. Elliot? Yeah, I think it's a good thing. I, I think I think Reed may, might, might have made the point that it kind of watered it down a little bit with, you know, you play every team now. But I do think it's still, like, it still matters. When the Yankees come to town, it's still fun. When the Red Sox come to town, I'm going to buy a ticket. I, I, it's just something about it. When the Reds play in, at, at Fenway, I, I, I love it, right? So I do think there is that element to it where it's like you don't see this very often – and now I get to, so now it's going to be a lot more fun. So the, the old rule where you only played, I think, what was it, one division from the AL yep. a year? I think that rule was, was, was still fun, but I like the way it is now where now we know we're playing the Yankees, we're playing the Angels, we're yep. playing Shohei, we're playing Mike Trout. Yep. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Yeah, no, I agree with them. It's definitely nice to see those players, you know, especially being in a city like Cincinnati who until very recently hasn't had stars so getting to see them in Great American Ballpark is always cool. But I do wish you got to play your division a little bit more. You know, playing – you know, we have three games against the Brewers right out of the All-Star break, three more in a week, and then we don't see them for the rest of the year when we're likely going to be in a two-man race for the division. I kind of like, you know, going there once a month, them coming here and, get, you know, getting – Yeah, it would be fun teams. to be playing them home and home again in September. Right. Like it was in, in, in the past. Casey, you being a novice to the game, or at least uh, you're really following it for the first time. Yeah. So you, I mean, you really didn't even know that they didn't used to have interleague play. You, you, you now are following it just when that's just part of the landscape, right? Right. Yeah. And I, I enjoy it. Um, I, I think it's to me, I, as a fan would rather know how I stack up against every team in the league and playing every team in the league, at least one series. In my opinion, I enjoy that. And I enjoy also seeing like we've all said around the room here, Getting to see like Shohei and Trout and any of the other notable players around the MLB, which I'm learning as I go, which is kind of, you know, important for someone that's new. Like I had no idea anyone outside of the Reds organization pretty much at the start of the season. Now yep. I'm starting to learn names. Um, 
the all-star health, uh, all-star break has helped with that a little bit too. And just, um, getting familiar with those guys, but I think it's helped the sport in my opinion. I get the, I get the wanting to play the, the rivals more. If you've been a fan for a long time, mm-hmm. cause if it were up to me and, and if football got expanded, I'd want to play the division more because those are more just tough, nitty-gritty games that are enjoyable to watch. Yep. So I do see where... And they like, mean more because it's yeah. like two games instead of one. Right. And it's the same It's the same thing for baseball. I mean, maybe not to two games to one, but it's it's like a half... It's a extra half game when you play them, right? It, it means more. So... Anyways, to round to to some to to finish my thought here, I enjoy it the way it is right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mark Dex uh, says, you know, Derek Jeter is the biggest baseball star there is even now. It's a serious problem when a guy who hasn't played in years is the most re- recognizable player. You know what? That is a great point. Yeah. And and we've talked about this before. And people say, well, baseball doesn't market their players. Look, they went to Mike Trout and asked him to be the guy. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. And so, I mean, what, if you're Rob Manfred, what are you going to do? He doesn't need the money. It's not like you'd say to him, hey, we'll pay a couple million bucks and you, you'd be the face of Major League Baseball. He's like, I ain't interested in doing it. Well, if, if that guy is that guy, let's compare that guy to Aaron Rodgers, whether you like Aaron Rodgers or don't like it, or Patrick Mahomes. Every time you turn around, those guys are in a commercial. And it's amazing. It's amazing to me in a sport where you wear a face mask and a helmet that if Aaron Rodgers walked right down the middle of OTR, everybody and his brother would know who Aaron Rodgers is. If Mike Trout put on a baseball hat and walked right down the middle of OTR, he might have five people that know who he is. Take the baseball hat off of him, it might be three. That's a problem for baseball. I think people would know Shoei. I think Shoei's a bit bigger than... I think Shoei's right? a little bit of a different, a different situation, though. An international player gets internationally recognized uh, as well, so it's, you're getting two different types of, of uh, exposure there. I think, the, I think the biggest thing with baseball, and I've always said this, is that 162 games just completely loses interest in a lot of fans. I've, you know, in September, respectfully, in September the Reds have not had many memorable Septembers because the season's over by then. So you just waste away for those 30 games. The, the, the NFL has 17 regular season games. You're going to tune in every single game because you have to. The, the, you're only getting 17. I think that if the MLB shortened the season, people would care more. People would look to tune into more games, more out-of-market games. You would see more Cincinnati fans knowing Angels players because you don't get that many. But with 162 games, it's just like nobody really cares until it's the trade deadline. That's my that's that was that's always been my biggest thing with the MLB. You know the other thing, and 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 someone said something like this and got themselves in trouble. And really, for the life of me, I don't understand how they got themselves in trouble with this. Because if you want to market your biggest stars, frequently that comes in, let's say, television commercials, right? And this is why, and I've talked about this before. No one on the planet has a softer spot in their heart for the plight of the Latin American player. You can insert Asian player, but I think more so Latin player because of the poverty in the Latin American countries. I've seen it in the Dominican Republic. It is, 
we think there are people in poverty in the United States. It is a different galaxy from poverty in the Dominican Republic or in Cuba or in Venezuela, where so many of these players, the greatest stars in the game, many of them, are from um, South American, Latin American countries, right? And a lot of these kids, they go to these academies and the, the, the teams that have the academies will put them through school, but they don't have school like we have school here. Now they do in Japan. So that's why I say you take the Asian player out. South Korea, they definitely have school. Japan, yes. China, not many Chinese players, if any, come to think of it, the United States. But if you're gonna try to market, a lot of times that comes in the form of commercials, right? So that's why I have such a, and I've talked about this on this program, how A. Eugenio Suarez, I just had so, Sammy Sosa, I had so much inc incredible admiration for those guys. It took so much courage for them to step out there and try to really learn to speak the English language, right? This is their second, they're learning it as, a, as, as young adults when they're getting dropped off after playing in these academies in the Dominican Republic, they're getting dropped off in Billings, Montana. They don't know how to speak English. They don't know how to read English. You know, all the stories we've heard through the years about being able to just do something as simple as, as walk into a restaurant and order something to eat because they don't speak the language. And so, you know, for baseball, I think, I think a big thing that they should really be doing, I, I, and I really believe this, and I've thought this for a long time, when you get kids who are from Spanish-speaking countries or Korean-speaking or Japanese-speaking countries, one of your main things you should be doing with these kids is teaching them to speak English. Because the marketing opportunities for that kid, you have a chance to make them make a lot of money by going out and doing things. You also enhance the fan experience with your fan base. I mean, it's a, think about, like, it's why, why Votto. When you see Votto in the dugout down there going on and on with Ellie De La Cruz, he's down there speaking Spanish to Ellie De La Cruz because Votto realized a number of years ago that baseball is loaded with these Spanish-speaking kids and I need to be able to communicate with these kids if I'm going to be a good teammate to them, right? Yep. I thought it was a phenomenal idea. That's why Vado's the best. That's it's why. That's why. That's why. <laughs> I, I think more players should do it. Honestly, I think it's. I think it shows what kind of a leader you are. It shows what kind of a human you are. And Joey has been that guy in, in with the Reds for a very long time, a very long time. And I think that's why all the guys love him. I and I and I respect the hell out of it. I do too. And look, somebody says that the post-game interviews are bad when you're doing it through an interpreter. I don't think they're bad. The kid's coming on there, and, he, and, and, and he's willing to be a part of you know, some celebration after a game. He's not comfortable speaking English, which I totally get. I mean, I had a long conversation about this uh, with multiple Spanish-speaking players through the years and got to be close with many of them. Um, and they would, they, they would, Johnny Cueto was one that comes to mind because Johnny Cueto could, could speak English quite well, but you know, he shared with me one day, he says, you know, basically in a nutshell, he says, uh, with Suarez, with the three of us were sitting there, uh, at breakfast one morning, I think it was in Milwaukee. We're having this conversation. Um, and, and they're talking about how, 
um, you, you're, I mean, you, you're scared to death of saying something that just comes out the wrong way because you're not intimately familiar with the language and how some of those things can happen. Yeah. Yeah, Tom, I actually saw this the other day and I'm glad we're talking about this. And I have a tweet here to show you. This is from the Myrtle Beach Pelicans who are the single A affiliate of the Chicago Cubs. Play this video, Casey. Um, so they have an English language program in the Cubs organization and the Pelicans uh, held a graduation on the field for several of the players that had, uh, you don't really need the sound here, Casey, but they, look at this. They held a graduation for several of the players uh, that had graduated. I mean, this is a great experience. Look at this. They, they get to wear their cap and gown. They get to go out there on the field. And, now that is cool I stuff. Mean, I mean, awesome. look at that. That, that's awesome. And yep. they're proud of it. They, you know, they, it's something that they've accomplished. I thought this was great. Look at that. Their whole team is right there with them. That's the, the single A for the Cubs out of the Cubs. That's fantastic. English language learning program. And, and like I said, I've been talking about this for years. Um, for years that this is something the teams ought to be doing. And obviously some are. And, and I would bet probably says the Reds are. I mean, if I were a betting man, they may not have cap and gowns, but, but, but look, um, these are the kinds of things that are very important to the future of the sport. Football doesn't face this challenge, right? Yeah. Basketball does to a slightly lesser extent. There are many international stars in basketball, but not the percentage that you see in baseball. I mean, the, the, the Latin American player every single year on minor league rosters, major league rosters. That is continuing to build and build and build. And pretty soon, it's going to be where the majority of players that play in major league baseball are going to be from Spanish-speaking Latin American countries. The number right now is 28.5%. Yeah, growing all the time. So it's not there yet. It's got a ways to go, but it's, it's on the rise. Um, former Red, uh, Alex Wallace points out in here, Former Red Brian Payne, you want, and now you talk about an unbelievable dude. This guy was one of the coolest dudes that has ever lived, is Brian Payne, the catcher. He's with the Reds a short time. He said an Atlanta Braves coach told him, learn to speak English. Because if baseball doesn't work out, you can get a big-time job down in the Dominican Republic doing things with baseball where you can do both. Speak Spanish to the kids, speak English, work with kids, so on and so forth. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. And anybody who, somebody said that when, when I mentioned Richard from Indian Hill uh, jumped in, and I, and I was wondering who got in trouble for saying that. And he said it was Stephen A. Smith who got in trouble for saying that, who said it's difficult to have Shohei Otani market Major League Baseball because he doesn't speak English. And then apparently a bunch of people went crazy and had to apologize for it. Right? Yep. Okay. All right. Um, but uh, anyway. Um, Tracy Jones coming up. You were getting ready to say, Paul. Yeah, Tom, do you want to do the Immaculate Grid with us or with Tracy? It, the Reds have a category today, so we're going to do it today. Well, let's do it with us because we have a number of things we're going to get into with Tracy okay. about here today. Okay. All right. Pull it up here. Here we go. All right. Well, I thought that is had... not. The oh, grid. is that is, is that this not the grid? That is not the grid today. Hmm. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> 
in Casey's defense, that is the grid I have, too. Huh. That I wonder is, if they is this a communication pro, uh, problem no, between no, the that, four of you? That's right. Evan uh, Maurer is saying fire Casey. No, that was right. I was right. Unless there are two. Everyone, everyone else Alex is Wallace is saying there's two. Yeah, Reed Mouse here says there are two grids today. So I, we can do two of them? The grid I have go to has the, the red. We don't yeah, have to, time to do two. We got Tracy coming up in five minutes. How do you get the other one then? I don't have no idea. I don't do this regularly. I do it with you guys. <laughs> How do you get the other one, guys? I don't, mine mine I, was just the Reds. Mine just oh, this is no, no, no. This is the one. They they just released a new one, so we can't get the old one. I guess. Mm. They put this one out a few minutes ago. All right, let's go. All right, All right, what do we have here? All right, what do we have here? Houston and LA. So players have played for both, correct? Yep. Players. Is that where we're going both. with this? Yep. Um. Houston and the Yankees, and, and, and our goal here is, for those of you that don't, you, you want to pick the least familiar name, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, little known fact, Houston and the Phillies, Kurt Schilling. Ooh. All right. A lot of people don't know that he came up. Kurt Schilling. After Baltimore, he pitched in the big leagues for the first time with the Phillies. And what would be – we're going to get him on the show, by the way. I just had contact with Kurt Schilling the other day. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get him and on the show. Phillies, yeah. Astros, right? And we're only going to talk baseball with Kurt Schilling. 1%. Right <laughs> what is it? 1%. I tell you what, I have not picked one player in this yet that got above 1.5. Not one. I had two players total. 2.5 last week. Go ahead, boys. I expect that out of you, Tom. Go ahead. Let's see. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm terrible at these. 200 hit season for the Phillies. Um, uh, Ryan Howard had to have done it, right? No. No? Ryan Howard? You don't think Ryan Howard hit 200? Oh, hit two, uh, 200, 200 hits. I'd be surprised, but I, I could be wrong. Piazza did it with the Dodgers, right? I would think he did. Go, yeah. Go, go Piazza for Dodgers first. It's a big name, though. There you go. Here I can live with 10. 10%. 10%. I can All live right. with 10. What about Jimmy Rollins for Jimmy Rollins, Jimmy Rollins uh, yeah. I would definitely think had 200 hits in a season. And that's probably a fairly low number because I bet. Go Jimmy Rollins from the Phillies. Plug your mic back in. Plug my mic back in. Yeah. All right. Jimmy so, Rollins. Jimmy Rollins for what? Phillies. Uh, 200 plus hits. Uh, Yankee met in the wake of the home run derby. Reds legend Todd Frazier. That's right. Oh, boy. That, that should be low. That'll be oh, a low one. tough. That should 53 be 53% there. So yeah, that was a bad guess. Well, I guy, mean, come on. I could find 1,000 guys where you get less than 1% <laughs> on that deal. All right. Uh, Yankees-Mets. Yeah, I like the – I like Todd, I like Todd Frazier there. He's, I thought you just said – oh, Piazza was in the 50s. No, Piazza was 10. Okay. What, and what's this one? Todd Frazier. 3%. Oh, that's a good guess. Okay, my bad. There we go. All right. Okay, where else are we going here, boys? Tom, let's get a Yankee with 200-plus hits that's going to get us below 5%. Yankee with 200 hits. Oh, man, that's going to get us less than. How about um, 
Did Mickey Rivers ever get 200 hits in a season for the Yankees? Let's try it. Uh-oh. I mean, there are a lot of big names. I mean, I could go with G. Oh, no. He didn't get it? Didn't get it. Oh, oh man. Oh, oh, we're not going to be immaculate We're not going to be immaculate All right. today. All right. So you if, you get one wrong, one. if you get one wrong, you're bounced? Is you, that, only, I mean, you only get nine guesses. You only get nine guesses. All right. That's my bad. Well, let's try another one. If we're not going to get them all, we might as well try and go for somebody small here again. Um, da -da -da, I'm trying to think. Well, are we just going for points? Oh, Phillies, Mets, somebody, uh, Joey Horn in the chat, Lenny Dykstra. <laughs> hey, for the Mets? Wait a minute, what's he saying? He said Phillies, Mets, Lenny Dykstra. Philly, yes, that would be. Alex Wallace is banging the table for Jose Peraza. Mets, Dodgers. Ooh. All right, go there. I'm trying to think of a former Mets, Red. Dodgers. Peraza. Whoa, oh, 0.09. Wow, big league guess there. Got Reed, two more. Reed says Phil Rizzuto for the Yankees. Wow, well, he was never that good of an offensive player. I mean, maybe he did. They weren't walking back in those days. He's a guy as a player that should have never been in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> For Phil Rizzuto to be in the Hall of Fame and David Concepcion to not be in the Hall of Fame is flat-out criminal. Yep. I mean, it really Point is. five. All right, we only have one more. Either a Dodger Astro or a Yankee Astro. Uh, uh, Garrett Cole for Yankee Astro. Big-time name. That's a name, though. Big 95%. name. 95%. Well, listen guys, I, listen, guys. Tom went with the, with the risk, and now we can't be immaculate. So I'm just going – I'm just trying to throw a name, trying okay. to be helpful. Yeah, okay. might as well. Throw him out there. Okay. What's his name? Garrett Cole. Cole. Just, put, just type Cole. There, second one. There you go. Ouch. 229. It's a real shame because I had some great reds for today's obscure reds. That was a, that's a shame. I was excited for the reds as well. Paul Yanish, Oriole Red. Paul Yanish. You like Paul Yanish? You know what? I liked him a lot as a guy. Liked him a lot. He's doing, I guess, some pretty popular podcasts these days. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. It's on the Believe Network. They're, they're, they're the ones. I had a podcast on there for a long time. They're like the largest producer of um, sports podcast in the country. And they get a former player from a Team X. In this case, I guess the one that the, the, the Reds uh, podcast, Paul Yanish. Now, maybe he's doing it for the Reds or somebody else. I don't know. Um, anyway. It um, seems like he coaches Rice Yanish well. and Dickerson, apparently. Corey Chris, Dickerson? Or Chris? Chris, Chris Dickerson. Dickerson. One of my um, – one, one, one of those moments that's like the most – one of the most bizarre moments of your life yeah. involved with me, Chris Dickerson. So, I'm over in London doing an NFL game, regular season game, right? So, you go like four days early because there's stuff you got to do ahead of time with, you know, Fox and the NFL. We got invited. It was unbelievable. We get invited to the uh, U.S. ambassador's house for this huge bash, right? Um, anyway, so... But when I first get there, your timing's all messed up. I wake up at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. 
And I'm not going back to sleep, I can tell already. So I go downstairs in the lobby of the hotel. It's right across the street from Buckingham Palace. And uh, the, the only room service you could get at that point in time, so you couldn't get breakfast, but you could get a cup of coffee. So I'm just like, I'm up for the day. What's the point, right? So I get a cup of coffee, and I'm sitting out in front of the hotel. Not a soul in sight. And all of a sudden, this cab comes rolling right up to the front of the hotel. Bang! Out go the doors. And who gets out of the cab? Chris Dickerson, Curtis Granderson, and I think Dickerson, I don't think he was married. It was his girlfriend. Granderson had his wife. Their plane had gotten delayed and just come rolling into London at 3A. We're the only five people. Maybe awake in the city of London. It's not like New York City, the city that never sleeps. You know New York, there would have been something happening that time of night. Yeah. Not in London. No. You got to go over to the clubs over there. Tracy Jones, have you ever... They weren't out partying, so that wasn't what I was saying. They just got in from the airport. Um, Tracy Jones, have you ever been to London? No, I haven't. It's one of the places that I want to visit, but I hear the food is really... Yeah, not food's not good. good. Food's not good. Yeah. I ended up spending. Go? Uh, uh, yeah, it's a really cool. T it's a really cool town. Fun town, uh, clean mm -hmm. town. By and large, used to be safe town. I don't know so much anymore. Some of the stories I read, but um, um, yeah, cool town. I would highly recommend you go there. Hey, um, how are you? Everything going all right? I'm good. Sorry, I'm late, but I've got some breaking news. Mm. Uh, you know, I well, well, by the way, by the way, real quick, I, I, from the looks of it, correct me if I'm wrong, unless you've changed, uh, done some work in the inside of your palatial estate there in Bellevue, it looks to me like you are still at the uh, guest estate out there in Southern California. Am I right or yeah. wrong on that? <laughs> it's my sister-in-law's very, very nice place. It's called an ADU and it's a set. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, like a mother-in-law quarters. So it's very, very well, well, nice. Well, what is ADU an acronym for? Is that just some California thing? Because I've never heard of an ADU in Ohio or Northern Kentucky. This is actually my first time too. Alternative dwelling. I don't know what the U stands for, okay, but it's okay, some fancy, okay. fancy yeah, term. But yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, here. yeah, 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 yeah. The, the money just drips off uh, my wife's uh family it's, it's really quite incredible um can I, I do have a major announcement tom do you mind yes please as you know as you know i am a slumlord right yes i i actually have i put one of my places up for sale and you can go to zillow i'll give you the address want to get your opinion on this 209 bird street can we pull this Covington, up please, Casey? do we have to be a member of, of zillow to, to no. pull up a picture of this no. place you can just pull it up i'm gonna hang on one second all right hang on casey's gonna throw on his headphones real quick yeah. tracy and we're gonna ask you to please give that um, uh to please give that address because we okay. are going to do our best to pull up uh, a picture <laughs> of this uh building that you own so go ahead. Yeah. We'll, we'll get it up. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. 209 Bird Street. I've been it's working B -Y -R -D, on it. B-Y-R-D, B-I-R-D what? B-Y-R-D. B-Y-R-D. Kentucky 41011. Get your opinion on it. 
uh, it listed for 230. I've got uh, two people going at it, bidding against each other. And the final well, bid will thing. be released at uh, around 1230. But if Casey would like to join in, Ooh. I mean, it's here, Casey, you can get an FHA loan. You could for two and a half percent. You can mm. live downstairs, rent the upstairs for twelve hundred. I think it's a good opportunity. It's up for two thirty, but I'd sell it to you, Casey, for two thirty-five. Hmm. You know that's that's a really really good deal, Tracy. But I already have a home. Yeah, but you could sell that place and make money off of it right now from what you bought it for. I, I'm looking at it. It I'm is gonna... very much, Tracy, a seller's market is it not right now it is especially rental property and i gotta tell you it's a good deal i, I bought it for forty five thousand dollars ten years ago oh here it is and now it is. let's take a look at this there we this go. is a big league piece of property right well give us a lowdown on the neighborhood here tracy oh we don't want to go into the neighborhood that's kind of pushed <laughs> down we had a couple of shootings there in the 10 years so <laughs> the neighborhood but it's getting better. It's getting Boy, a lot. Boy, that it's, it's is a nice-looking place, man. Look Isn't at that it? flooring in there. Yeah. Hunter did that, my kid. Did he really? Yeah. The first floor is two bedrooms. Upstairs is three bedrooms. But that's the lower half. Okay. So are there separate entrances, right? So you have them divvied up yes. already? Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. Each has a balcony, off-street parking, uh air conditioning it's a good place someone's getting a good property it's clean how about that boy i gotta tell you that i mean that is a beautiful and i'm not saying that's because you're on here that is a beautiful interior of that it's a here's how it works place. here's how our here's i how wish our i had my old job i might i might consider this when well, i was flush with a little careful. bit of cash but you know how that goes <laughs> Yeah, the Jones uh, Jones Investment Property, we shortened it up for Chip. Here's how it works. Danae has very good taste. Yes. Those colors are nice. Yes, they um, are. He picks out the colors, the flooring, all that tells us what to do. Hunter builds it out. Hunter's okay. very good with his hands. And, of course, Moneybags is the guy that forks out the money. I'm well, the you're also so the guy that cleans the toilets before uh, it goes up for sale, right? <laughs> You guys would laugh so hard if you saw me working in the hood. I clean toilets, the trash. It's just, I do everything. And that, that is not my character on this show at all. But I like to work. Tracy, my son, I don't know if he's ever been in the chat, but uh, he is dialed in right now. He says, Dad, after seeing this place, I want to move out. <laughs> Hey, what does he want? Does he want the bottom floor or the top floor? Well, we'll ask him. We'll see what he says. I, I would imagine he'd want to be, you know, up top. Seems like it'd be a little safer uh, than than maybe oh. living down. Is that fair to say? Yeah, Tom, you're very perceptive. I, I mean, you really see things fast. That's exactly right. Because going upstairs, I mean, you got bit, you know a long stairway to get up, so it's pretty safe up there, up top. Bottom, is, that, is that guy a little know, deck off the back or something like where you could have a grill well, and all that kind of thing? Is that a picture of that on there? Both, yeah, both places have decks. If you, yeah, both okay. places. Pull that all picture right. up. Yeah. And you got that. a nice, oh, that's a nice, yeah, those are nice decks right there. And you got a nice little yard in the back, right? Yep. 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 
I like that. The color, let me just tell you, the, the color of the deck is a, is a great color. It's called Urban, Urban Bronze. Urban and Bronze? And it is, yes, very nice. Very nice. Boy, I tell you, that is mighty, mighty. Paul, uh, look, you're going to be married. Uh, I mean, I, I, am, I am actively looking for a house. Like, legitimately am actively looking for a house. Here you go. So there we go. Like, no, well, no shtick. I know it's not no shtick Wednesday, but I am actively looking for a house. Okay. Well, that's a start. Do you have a cat, Paul? I'm not a cat person, Tracy. Okay. You, you can have pets. I'll let you have pets. Of course, yeah, I'm okay. selling it, so it, it's your choice. You do whatever you want. But, you, you know, the FHA loan for someone who's a brokey like yourself, that's the way to go. That's right, Tracy. Okay. And, and, and somebody just uh, wants to double check before we tie a ribbon around it. I mean, there's nothing like raccoons or bats or anything like that up in the attic. None of that stuff, Tracy. Come no, on out. no, everything is great. We kill the spiders down in the basement. Uh, the, the basement is spotless. Hunter and I spent two days cleaning out the basement. And it's high basements, like seven feet high basements. I mean, it's unfinished. But there's just a lot of potential. It's, it's very nice. Um, I hate to give it up, but I think I've reached a point in my life where I don't need to, to go in some of these neighborhoods. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a little shaky, but a good that place. Is, that is really, really nice. Well, good luck with that. Thank um, you. Okay, Thank I want to shift gears now to the All-Star game. Um, no, 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 you know what? I want to back up for a minute because um, we, we were talking at length before you jumped on here today. Um about how, look, um, one of the great challenges with Major League Baseball has been how to market the game, how to market the players in the game better, right? We were, we were right. bringing up the point that if Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or somebody like that, not a Bengal, but, but an out-of-town player, Tom Brady for sure, if they were to walk down the street in, in over the Rhine or Bellevue, everybody and his brother would know who the guy is, right? Baseball goes right, to Mike right. Trout a couple of years ago, uh, and they approach him uh, that, um, that, you know, we want you to be the face and the marketing guy for our sport. And he's just like, you know what, right. thanks, but no thanks. It's just not me. It's not who I am. Uh, I appreciate it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he doesn't <clears throat> need the money that would come along with it to be that guy. If, if you were going to market players – uh, in Major League Baseball, Shohei, without a doubt, is the biggest name in the sport right oh, now. But I'm still convinced. Without a doubt. Talking about this, I'm not. I'm still not convinced now that if you didn't put a baseball cap on the guy, if you just threw a pair of shorts and a T-shirt on Shohei and he walked down over the Rhine, I don't know how many people would know who he is. Um, what you know, you're a smart guy. You weren't just a baseball player. <clears throat> You've been a financial guy. You are a financial guy, a real estate guy. You got all these different things going on. Right? What would you do to be marketing baseball players better these days? You know that that topic is probably over my head. I don't know what I would okay. do, Tom. Okay. But here, here, let me throw this at you: baseball players are a different breed. We really are. First of all, we're very special. We're a special breed. I mean, you have a better chance of hitting the lottery than playing major league baseball you people have no idea 
if your kid right now, and I'm talking to the parents out there, think that their kid is going to play Major League Baseball, they have a better chance of being a, an astronaut. So let, let's just rule that out. Uh, I, I think, think that's a little play. drastic, the astronaut analogy, but please okay. continue okay. on. Okay, I, I misspoke. Um, brain surgeon. Here's the thing, Tom. Baseball players are, are kind of low-keyed. You know that. I mean, yeah, they're shirt and T-shirt, jeans, tennis shoes, and go out. They're not flashy. They're very low-keyed. I mean, I can't even tell you a, a ball player that I played with that had that flash and that that presence outside yep. of the ballpark. I would say maybe Griffey, a Pete Rose, but Davey Concepcion didn't have that. Right. Tony Perez didn't have that. I don't even think Barry Larkin has that. So I think basketball and football players, I mean, when you see Tom Brady – I mean, I bet you there's just a lot of energy. And I just don't know if baseball players have that same. It doesn't sound good as far as charisma. They're just low-key. They don't like to be out in front. And Trout was a perfect example. You know, you bring up uh, Tom Brady. Um, look, I don't know what's true or not true. But, I mean, this Kim Kardashian thing? I mean, <sighs> Man, oh, I'm trying. Moses, Wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna hey. try to follow this, Tom. I'm in Los Angeles. Talking about you know that girl, Kim Kardashian. Now that's a girl with a clean hiney, as we used to say in baseball terms. Um, write that one down, Tom. No, I don't think I will. But please go ahead. <laughs> you know who's in town? We moved on so, uh, from that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to see if I can dig up some information on Kim Kardashian and Tom Brady. I'll tell you who else is in town. And I think he left, but he was in town yesterday. Is Donald Trump? I am right by the airport. I saw his plane. It was rather wow. cool. I mean, it's right off uh, La Cienega, so you can see Trump's plane as I was driving. And I, actually, my wife took a picture. I should send it to you guys maybe on Thursday. Very cool. So there's a lot happening in Los Angeles. There is always something happening in Los Angeles. Uh, up in Seattle, it is the All Star Game. Um, and I can't remember which local writer. I think it was uh, Gordon Whitmire, who just started here not too long ago. He was in Chicago for a long time. And, and he made a, he made a, 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 a comment uh, writing in the paper today, something along the lines. This is something I said the other day. Tracy, you know, look, um, I love the spirit and the camaraderie. It's infectious, this young Reds team and all this kind of stuff. But when, but when I read a couple of the comments from, like, Indy and a couple of guys, oh, we don't care about being on the All-Star team, but Spencer Steer came out and said, I care about being on the All-Star team. I wish I was on it. I'm not. It's fine. I'll take the time off. Being on an All-Star team is a big deal, Tracy, right? Come on. Well, Tom, you're talking to the wrong guy because the last All-Star game I was on uh, part of was my Little League All-Star team at 12 years old. So, <laughs> But I, 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 I know – I know what the players are thinking because they'd like to have those days off. And, and so I understand that. You know, Tom, I used to really Tracy, enjoy the All-Star come game. on. I mean, come on. You work Tom, your tail be... off since the time you're in T-ball. Every kid plays wiffle ball in the backyard with your buddies and you hit the home run in the bottom of the ninth inning of the World Series, whatever it might be. Uh, days like today and tomorrow, there'll be kids all over the United States that are this guy in an all-star game or that guy in an all-star game. Being an all-star is a big deal, man. Come on. Okay. Let, let me throw, you, throw out another person, the home run derby. 
Dela Cruz didn't want to do that. Well, I, I look at the but, home run derby as a total different deal. Totally different deal than being on the all-star team. You'll be able to wait, say wait a minute, for Tom, the rest of your life that you made Major League Baseball's all-star game. Of the tens of th hundreds of thousands of players that have even gotten one day in the big leagues. Every one of them about, wants to go to an all-star game. I, I bet you hitting in the home, home run contest... You get more PR. You talk about marketing yourself. Yeah, well, you're right about that. I mean, that. it's just you. That's a, that's a big, big deal. You know, remember when Todd Frazier won? That was the greatest thing I've ever seen in an all-star game, period. Yeah. You know, won the, the home run hitting contest. And what was really neat about that was his brother was the batting practice pitcher. That's right. He was the pitcher. Right. Which, you know, that was a great comedy. I think Bryce Harper might have won it one year, and his dad was the pitcher. So right. I like the home run hitting contest. I'm a little surprised because Dela Cruz is a flashy guy. He ain't afraid. And I'm not saying he was afraid. He wants to, but he probably would win that. He's such a talented player. I haven't seen a guy that talented in a long, long time. Tom, I watched him make a play against the Nationals. Did you see that play from the outfield grass yeah. at third base? Yeah. yeah. My God, that guy yeah. has a gun. Yeah. I mean, he, he could do He's got you know, everything. He's got stuff. everything. He's got, He's everything. got everything. Right. He, He's got everything, stealing second, stealing third, stealing home. How did he accomplish that? I mean, he's just a fabulous player, very entertaining. Just getting back to the All-Star game, you know what I don't like about the All-Star game? What? Is the fact that they all have to wear the same jerseys, National League and American League. Wasn't it cool when everybody wore their team uniform? You know what? Right? That's a great Cincinnati point. Reds, I forgot an about example. That, that was yeah. cool. Right? Because they would yep. introduce the players. You'd have five Reds players, right? You know, yep. four Dodger players. I mean, I used to get excited as a kid. I know this is going to sound corny, but when I was a little kid, nine or ten years old, my favorite player was Jim Fregosi. You know Fregosi? Yep. The, the oh, he was, well, I he was love one. Jim Fregosi. What a great dude. God rest his soul. Super. What a guy. You, That's you a man's man there. That is a man's man. It's a man's man, and my mom had the hots for Jim Fergus. Well, a lot of women, I think, had the hots for Jim Fergus. But go ahead. <laughs> but but you know when they introduced, the, I would watch the game for sure when they introduced the players, and Jim Fergusi, being the lone representative, would step up and you know take his curtain call, whatever he would do. But that was cool. He was in his angel uniform. Now that everybody has this American League, National League, and I understand Nike's forking out the big bucks, but I just it, it kind of takes away from the All-Star game, in my opinion. Yeah. I think a lot of people agree with that. You know, it's funny you, you bring that up about the uh, uniforms. That's a very interesting point because I'd, for, I'd for not even thought of that. For Reds fans, the coolest part about that All-Star game, because the Reds used to have a very firm and true policy. It might have still been around, Tracy, when you came up. Correct me if I'm wrong. <clears throat> they had a policy where no facial hair. We know about that. Mm -hmm. And you were only allowed to wear black spikes, right? And you couldn't know pull up you your say. stirrups. Yep. So when the yep. Reds players would get to the All-Star game, all of a sudden, and, and one year, like six of them started in the field. Uh, you had Rose yep. and Bench and Morgan and Foster and Concepcion and all these guys running around. And they all wore red spikes. And they pulled their socks up. And as a kid, you thought it was like the coolest thing in the world because you'd never seen them look like that before. Well, I can remember the game. And I didn't know all of them did it. I remember when Davey Concepcion did it. 
He wore red spikes, which looked pretty cool. I yeah, they did. I think it was in Montreal. Was it in Montreal? And he actually hit a home run? Maybe I'm, I'm I mean, no, I kind of remember be right. that. You might be right. You might be right. Yeah, it was it was a big deal. But Davey and those red spikes, see, stuff like that, you say, wow, how neat is that? I mean, they can't even wear their team hat. I, I just, it just kind of takes away from the All-Star game. Just little things like that. Let's see here real quick. I'm just curious. Uh, see how your memory is. I, I think it was a line shot down the left field line, if I remember right. It barely got – and I'm just throwing this out. I, I have a kind of a photographic memory, but I could be wrong on this. Am I wrong? 19, it was 1982. Um, let's see. Line. Where is it? Come on, help me here. I'm trying to just type this in really fast. I can't find it. I probably spoke out of turn. I probably no, just I think you're of... right. 1982 All-Star game. Where was yeah. that thing? Right down left field line in Montreal. If I get this, Tom, I get some kind of bonus or a pat on the back. You Am are right? spot on, my man. Boy, I'm you are a big stuff. league operator. That is a big <laughs> time call right there. I'm, National I'm, League I'm really won good. it four to one. David Concepcion was in the starting lineup, along with uh, fellow Reds. Well, Pete had moved on by then. Uh, that's when the game yeah. was loaded up with um, with Phillies. By that point yeah. in time, yeah, yeah. Tom, can I ask? Boy, that's this big is time. Why you have, this is why you have me on the show, right? There's no doubt. I mean, I am the baseball. Not your dad. I mean, a lot of people will say Marty has a lot of experience in baseball and stuff. But do you think your dad could have come up with something like that that fast? No. No, well, I you don't. Know what? He pro you know what? I work with your dad. He probably could. That guy's so sharp. He's that amazing. was a two-run home run by David Concepcion. Yeah. One of his yeah. nine all-star games. He, he, was probably, he was probably one of my favorite players that I ever played with. Yeah. He treated me so well. I mean, because we platooned together. So I would ask Davey questions. And he was really a team leader. You talk about a captain, that's Davey Concepcion. No doubt I mean, about he it. Was, he was, I mean, he wore that C. I'm a huge Davey Concepcion fan. You and me both. When I was a kid growing up and, and, and I knew all those guys uh, from being around uh, Pete and Johnny and Joe and all of them and, and, and all of them treated me great as a little kid, but nobody was David. The two guys that, that, that were just like, it was almost like I was uh, not a friend because I was so significantly younger, but treated me almost like a, an equal kind of guy were Concepcion and George Foster. Um, yeah, Foster, George. Foster's an unbelievable dude, but you're right. Concepcion, he was, uh, he was the man. How is that guy? George's 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 George is actually from my neighborhood. George went to Losinger High School. That was right down the street from from Lawndale High School. So he's right from my area. You know, George was really not that considered a top prospect. He was drafted out of El Camino College. He didn't sign out of high school by a, a scout by the name of George Genevieve, who actually drafted my younger brother. And George it was with the Giants. And George just worked his way through. And if you ever look at some of those stats of huh. George Foster, I'll tell you, he is the, in my opinion, he is the most underrated red of all time. He's that good. Some of those years, what, he had 52 home runs one year? Yep, yep, 
Yep. I mean, he had right? some he had some monster seasons. I mean, the guy finished his career 348 home runs, knocked in almost 1300 runs. Oh. He had 3 years in a row where he had 29 homers, drove in 121 runs. His MVP yeah. season of 77, 52 bombs, 149 as you like to say, ribeye steaks. Followed the next year by 40 bombs and 120 runs batted in. He had four years in a row, three years in a row, finishing the top three in the league MVP, four years in a row where he finished in the top 12 of the MVP, and then he was uh, the MVP of an all-star game. Not too So good. Tom, can I get some more? Kudos. Can I get another pat on the back for coming up with the 52 home runs that one year? Again, I'm kind of like Rain Man. Do you ever see that movie? Tom Cruise, Rain Man with the numbers. You know, kind of a little wacky, but pretty good with the numbers. Just throw that at you. For you to come up with Davey Concepcion a home run in the All-Star game of 82 and name the city, that is pretty big time. Um, Last thing I want to ask you about, Tracy, uh, because look, uh, you've got to go seemingly to the end of the earth to get out of Southern California to find all of that beautiful farmland they have in that state. And that is the majority of the land in the state of California, mm-hmm. farmland, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, here in Cincinnati, you don't have to go very far at all. Casey was sharing with us earlier, and I'm curious if you've never known anybody your whole life. He was sharing with us earlier that when he was growing up, that there used to be a ride your family tractor to school day. Have you ever heard of such a thing? And do you have any thoughts no, on that? That's in Blanchester, right? Yes, that's yes. correct. That's, that's where Casey's from. That's a hillbilly. Yep. Uh, that, that Blanchester is <laughs> Blanchester right. is like, he's like the Norwood, uh, Blanchester is like the Norwood Northeast type uh blanchester's very shaky i would say so that doesn't surprise me but all honesty isn't that cool i think it's very cool very cool um for your i mean it's southern california it's drive your uh a german or italian sports (laughs) car day to school right like a maserati or what are your mercedes or whatever it might be Uh, yeah or a bugatti or a Porsche that costs $268,000. Yeah. Uh, you know where I'm going tomorrow? I'm going to Bozeman, Montana oh, for a boy. wedding. Love Isn't Montana. that a nice place? You yeah. know, it's funny you bring up that. That is the only... Um, I've, been, I've been to Bozeman, uh, in and out. Flew in there and then drove mm. up into the mountains up there. Uh, uh, yes. But Bozeman's cool. That's where Montana State University is. Um, so you're going out there for what? Uh, the weekend, few days. No, what? no, my my niece is is getting married. You know what is probably you know I gotta tell you, and I hope they're not watching this. They're making us wear a jacket for the wedding. Do you think that's appropriate? Absolutely, I think it's appropriate. It's their oh, wedding day. On. They want everybody there looking good. Uh, they're gonna be a lot of. Are they? Do they live up there? No, no. It's it's a destination type wedding. But I, I think if I spend the money, I can dress the way I want to dress. I'll still look nice. I, I, I'll take off my hat. I'll put on a different shirt. But to wear a, a sports coat, Tom, you could look good. You look good in anything, 
right? You, you're, there's you're there's like no doubt about that. I wish I heard that from my bride every now and again. But yeah, you're probably accurate. <laughs> but what are the ham and eggers? Do the ham and eggers have an opinion on that? The, the question is, do the ham and eggers have a sport coat? <laughs> Touche, Tom. <laughs> yes or no, Casey? Sport coat at a wedding in Montana. Yay or nay? Well, uh... I don't have a coat, period. Um, I still need to buy one. So uh, I would say um, just for fashion sense, no. Okay. Paul? I, I, I absolutely would, yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, I knew absolutely that was would. coming. I knew yeah. that was coming. Uh, Elliot? You said the wedding's in Montana? Yes. Doesn't matter where yeah. it is. Well, it's a wedding. Well, no, if it's in Montana, I'd wear something, I, I'd wear something rustic, maybe a couple, I'd, maybe like a bush. Maybe like some kind of bush, some green camouflage type thing I'd wear around me. What, what do you think? It's military out yeah, there? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on in Montana. It's I yeah I do I I'd wear like a, a a green bush and then I'd have a gun with me at the wedding. That's Montana. Green bush. Oh my God. Uh, uh, Jacob, so you really just want to start a war, Jacob? Yeah. Well, that's what they do. That's what they do at that one what show you, in Montana. Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Yeah. yeah. I would certainly wear a jacket to a wedding. Yeah. I feel okay. like that's, all right, all right. Yeah. So there you go, uh, Tracy. So all right. Have a great time. Uh, you're going to love it out there. It's a beautiful place. And uh, safe travels, my man. We'll look forward to catching up with you. Are you going to be there Thursday when you join us? Yes. All right, listen, you got yeah, you, you to get some of the, you know, kind of like you did on the beach that one day. You got to get some of the, the scenery for us and send okay. it to us. Because it's a beautiful place. Uh, that I can't believe I'm drawing a, a blank. I stayed at a ranch, um, like an hour outside of Bozeman. Um, man, it's when nice. I saw it, I'm excited. I, I got up one morning, I got up one morning about to go work out early. The only thing the town had, they <clears> just put their first traffic light in like three days before I got there. Cause they had a little tiny little hospital for the ski resort. Uh, this would be, I was here in the summer. And, and, and this lady owned this, uh, like, little workout gym. But all they had were those rowing machines, right? So I had asked her, I said, hey, look, I'm going to be here like a week. Can I come in in the morning, pay you 30, 40 bucks for the week, and, and, and work out here? She's like, absolutely. So I get up at, like, 530. I'm coming down this highway, down the hill, down the mountain. And all of a sudden, I catch something out of the corner of my eye. There's nobody on the road. I look to my right, and I can see this bear that is oh. running full speed down the side of this mountain and coming right towards the highway where I'm driving. And this thing just goes whoa, straight across the highway and runs off. And I'm thinking to myself, you got to be kidding me. How cool is that? Not nearly yeah. as cool as here in Hamilton, a guy pushing a lawnmower <laughs> with the engine running. <laughs> Over a crosswalk. <laughs> yeah, doesn't surprise me. All right. Doesn't Tracer, have me. a great day. Safe travels. All right. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Have a good day. All See right. Tracy. Be well, Tracy. Um, Luke's all over this chat today, Luke by the is, way. I love I mean, is he all over your case or yeah, what? Yeah, well, I offered him again. He, he put in a pick, Tom. He put in uh, He, he said Gallon's going to deal. He said Zach Gallon's going to deal. I, I'd like to fade him. I, I'm going to fade so is there? Are, are, did you challenge him to a, a to a bet here tonight? Yeah, I challenged him to a bet off. Plug your mic in. And he's Why back. My mic off, I don't know. You keep messing with it. Because you killed the cow. Blue collar Brenny has a uh, has a ch challenge for you. 
So you're yeah. saying, you know, you have a challenge for Blue Collar Brenny. Yeah, that's right. So I'm going to challenge him. If I, if I, whoever wins the bet tonight, uh, I don't know what happens. No, he just said, Elliot, what is, what is the challenge? He just said that. What is the challenge? Okay, all right. So if, if I'm going to fade Brenny's pick. <laughs> There's something wrong with your mic because it keeps unplugging. Well, what can I do about that, Casey? <laughs> I'm just a man. I'm just a boy. Uh, can everybody hear me, though? But pull, just hold it in so hold we can in. hear this point yeah, before we, we in, call baby. it quits today. <laughs> what about now? Is there that it better? is. Okay. There it is. So okay. Go ahead. Okay. So if I'm going to fade Luke's pick tonight, if I get it wrong, I will dump water on my head. No, no, no. no Timeout. What is exactly the Zach bet? Zach Gallon. He says Zach Gallon does not give up a run. So I'm going to fade that pick. I'm going to say he does give up a run. Okay. All right? All right. If that's the case, if he's right, I'll dump water on my head. If, if he's wrong, he dumps water on his head. <laughs> That's my challenge to Luke. Elliot loves getting wet. Brenny, you got 20 seconds. What a seconds. great camera angle this is. You got 20, you got 20 <laughs> seconds, Brenny, to, 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 to yay or nay. Yay or nay, and, Brenny. And, and the zebra's laid it out there for you, where if Gallon doesn't give up a run, he Luke says, says easy, easy, no problem. All right, he's, I, he better pay up. <clears throat> he better pay up. Now, are we going to dump? Because, see, we're, we're bringing him in next week for, the, uh, for, his, for his big sit-down graduation from high school, moving on to college interview, which I did okay. with my daughter. And I've talked about this. It's the most listened to podcast I've ever done is the one I did with our daughter when she graduated Ella from high school before she went down to TCU. So um, Luke is next week. So he would have to have water dumped on his head. If Gallon gives up a run. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. That's on. We're on. There we go. We started the show with Degenerate Elliot. We end the show with Degenerate <laughs> Elliot and Degenerate Luke Brenneman. Okay. Uh, do we have a cherry on top? We do. All right. Please continue. What is this? This is a very famous clip, but uh, this is the oh, just, this in, is just in case anybody hasn't seen it. What is this? You'll see it. All right. You'll see it. It's, it's a very famous clip, but just in case anybody that's watching hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, this is electric. This is what we need here. Can you imagine TJ Friedel in this? TJ Friedel would be a lot. This is just some guys. This, they're just doing fundamental play here, Tom. This is fundamental play for competition. Just advancing that I, ghost I, runner over to third. The, the red who would win this contest at all time played for the red Reds would be Norris Hopper. He was a backup outfielder, right around 27, 208, 09, right in there. Great dude, solid player, but man, could he bump. All right. All right. <clears throat> That's really good. K we, we, our, our ratings have just gone through the roof on that. Casey, I, I do want to ask you before we get out of here. <laughs> yeah. When was this cow killed? It was like, oh my I God. wasn't even in high school yet. Like, this was... Oh, my this was way, was way, way back. This is this some like, lore thing. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm no, just no. making there sure was, that... There was actually... Th this actually happened. Because I remember my sister being really upset that this happened. She should have been. I'm just making sure that Harambe and Blanny didn't happen <laughs> in the same summer. No kidding. Yeah, it's a real shame you killed that cow, Casey. I didn't kill the cow. Right. wasn't even wow. in high school yet. Sad. It's really sad. <laughs> I'm just a messenger. Don't Very you sad. Death. That cow. So you did, Casey. You have to live with it. There are a lot of people have to live with that in Blanchester. Yeah, that's right. 
a lot. It's, it's a town That's right. <laughs> and how about the dude who, who, was, who was counting on that cow and all the money from the cow? And, you know, yeah. I mean, forget him so we can have a bunch of laughs here at the high school. Forget that dude. His private property. Let's pull a prank and bring a cow up to the second floor, the third floor of the high school. All right. Uh, gentlemen, nicely done. Casey, Paul, Jacob, Elliot, thank you, men. Tomorrow, Marty Brenneman uh, will be back on the program. We also have Bronson Arroyo. Uh, uh, we have Dennis Jansen tomorrow, legendary sports tackle from Channel 12 and Channel 9. Um, he'll be with us for an extended interview. Thursday, Danny Graves will be on the program. He's going into the Reds Hall of Fame. Tracy will be back from Montana. And then on Friday, Bronson Arroyo will be joining the program. He is going into the Reds Hall of Fame this weekend. So we got it all covered. There might be some pretenders out there, only contenders here on Off the Bench. It's been over a month since we've had Marty on. He's ready to go. He's been in Europe. He's well-rested. He's ready. He's been in Europe and then had to come back to what military might really means when he showed up in Annapolis for a few days. Got to get back grounded. Naval Academy. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.